and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Jeff Onan. Hey, Jeff! Yeah. Yeah! So, Jeff, you're here once again to talk about Sea of Thieves. You know what that means. <laughs> Jeff's here. It's gotta be the episode nobody listens to. Let's oh, do it. No, that's not true. That is not true. Actually, Jeff, uh, quite a few people listen to our Sea of Thieves episodes. They, yeah, like me, my mom. N- no, all of the mothers listen to it. It's <laughs> <laughs> we're we're hooked on the mothers. They're 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 or they're hooked on us, I suppose. So yeah, Sea of Thieves season eight has just begun in the last week, but that means we need to discuss. Uh oh, Sea of Thieves season seven. We would have this. We would have already discussed it, Jeff. But you see, this time around, they did this thing where they didn't announce the results of the last adventure. Uh, the, this Pendragon Flameheart election. They didn't announce who won it until like the very, very end of the season. That's true. They didn't. That's that's how the timing of it worked. So so we're doing it now. Uh, even though we've already played season eight, we're basically a week behind. That's okay though. It, it's fine. So, there was a holiday uh, in America, so it's been a busy time, but yeah, we'll be on that now. Yeah, and, and you know, s- Season 7 is worth taking some time out to talk about. This will be our last Sea of Thieves episode for the season, barring any unforeseen circumstances like fucking TT getting put in the game. But I think that uh, th- this is the season I was looking forward to the most out of out of i think content wise i i think it contained what i have wanted the longest in the game aside from my usual nonsense like the aforementioned stopwatch from diddy kong racing so i'm eager to talk about it because i have a lot to say but before we get to that i know a lot of people are going to be tuning into the conversation and they're going to be like hey where's the episode on the full super mario brothers movie trailer And, well, that's coming. That's coming next. Later this week, the full Super Mario Brothers movie trailer. We're recording this on Monday night. Nintendo just announced the Direct, the premiere that they're tying into Nintendo Direct, is coming tomorrow. So we we had already, like, banked a conversation mini for later this week. So we're just kind of sliding the content onto that. And uh, you will get it uh, in around midweek, mid to, mid to late week. So stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have a lot of juicy, juicy takes on that. I've already seen some leaked stuff, and I'm excited to talk about it. I think it will uh, it will be quite yeah. pleasing to to to. You know, uh, usually, when you start to see leaked stuff, I would tend to call up a plumber, and that's exactly what they are because it's Mario. Well. When I when I start leaking stuff, I call it my dominatrix. <laughs> oh no! Uh. <laughs> oh no! This is why the mothers love us. So, <laughs> I also want to plug, aside from the upcoming uh, conversation mini, I want to plug that we are on. Oh yeah, Mastodon, and wait for it, Hive. Yeah, both of which sound like Power Rangers villains, but they're actually <laughs> social media platforms they are so so here here's the deal as it currently stands twitter is becoming a flaming dumpster fire under its new ownership it 
is still functional, so that it's got that going for it. But if we're all honest, it's probably not going to be a safe and welcoming place for the very diverse and welcoming Donkey Kong Universe community in the near future. So I, I am staying on Twitter for the uh, for for the at least immediate. Uh, weeks to come you know we'll we'll see what transpires because this is actually you know an unfolding story by the day but i wanted to at the very least provide a outlet for all of my twitter content uh for our community that doesn't want to be on twitter right now which is very understandable so i joined mastodon a few weeks back and you can find us at Oh, God. Uh, mastodon.sdf.org forward slash at DKVine. Or you can just go to DKVine.com forward slash Mastodon. There's a, there you can just search DKVine Mastodon. You'll find us eventually. But anyway, uh, we're, we're on there. We're also on Hive as of last week. And Hive is only available as an app. It is not a, a desktop social media site at least not yet so you'll just have to go download hive on your phone and uh find us at dk vine on hive but yeah they named it after your b uh from ukulele and then impossible layer your b is named hive yeah that's a i brought it in it's connected it's relevant with uh (laughs) references and and such yeah, it, it makes up for us not having a Vine back when Vine was a thing. Right. So <laughs> a, We always kind of refused to do Vine because it was just too expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we didn't want to be uh, same, that mainstream. Same goes for TikTok. We can't do it. There's already a clock that is named to that. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I have considered TikTok because, yeah, right, right now everything's kind of blowing up. Twitter is this grand uncertainty, and I want to give our audience opportunities to engage with us and interact with us so anyway uh until december 12th jeff if you follow us on uh, mastodon or hive you will be entered to win a set of fan gamer googly eye pins uh, official rare merchandise from off of banjo kazooie but uh yeah, we want to get more eyeballs on Mastodon Hive, and then we will give you eyeballs for following us. It's a very clever pun. It's something. Uh, but these uh, these eyeball pins, they are, they are currently out of stock on Fangamer. It's unknown if they're going to resume production of them. So, yeah, you, you can win one of these highly prized collector's items. If you, if you follow us uh, before December 12th, and then you'll be entered to win the prize pool. If you follow us on both Mastodon and Hive, you will be entered uh, two times. So you have double the chances of winning. And right now, not a whole lot of people are following us on Mastodon and Hive. So uh, it's a very lucrative opportunity for you. <laughs> so uh, Mastodon and Hive, find us there. Jeff... Uh, I probably want to talk about Golden Sands blog post before we launch into this discussion. We'll, we'll do it. Yes, Golden yeah. Sands blog post is my blog. I blog about Sea of Thieves there. And uh, <clears throat> you can find it on medium.com slash golden hyphen sands hyphen blog post or uh, Twitter with the at Golden Sands blog or I think dkvine.com slash uh, Golden Sands 
blog post, probably. Uh, and when you get there, what you're going to find is a little blog that covers Sea of Thieves and basically the walkthroughs and guides and tutorial type content for all the things that go on in this living game that is constantly coming out with new content and promotions that you need to keep up with. So check it out. If you are trying to stay connected on Sea of Thieves, that's a good place to do it. It's how I keep up with it because I can't keep up with all of this nonsense. It's too much for one game. I'm I'm old, Jeff. I'm from the era where a game comes out, you learn everything you need to know about it, and then you're done. A Sea of Thieves is like, ah, we're changing this. We're changing this this week. And yeah. I'm like, God, I can't keep up. That's a new wrinkle in my brain. That's true. You are very curmudgeonly. That's right. <laughs> but, but speaking of changes, there have been seven seasons of changes since they began doing seasons. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get right into it, I think. Yeah, Sea of Thieves Season 7. Uh, Jeff, you spelled Season and 7 wrong in our show notes. No, 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 no. Actually, so um, that was, I was uh, making fun of you because you had spelled the word thieves wrong. No, you've you spelled fi- the thieves wrong. No, no, no. You typed that. I swear to God that was in there before I got to the, to the document. It said, you put the, you put the E before the I. Even though it didn't come after C. It didn't come after C, so the I has to go before the E, as they say. And then uh, I saw that and I thought, I could fix this, or I could mess up the word Season 7 and put an I in there and doesn't belong. But it's fine. It's fine. I did do that. It was just to make fun of you. Everyone at home is laughing and laughing. Um, but Season 7, it, it began actually back in August, uh, even though... Season 7 was actually kind of advertised uh, all the way back at the Not E3 Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Yeah. Yeah. We've been actually anticipating this for a while, which is why you talked about how uh, this was, you were really looking forward to these features. Um, we're going to talk about Captaincy, which is the main big bulk of the of the season. What, what's, what is the draw of the season is becoming a pirate captain. We're going to talk about Adventures, which are the monthly events that are telling the story of Sea of Thieves with... Uh, every month having a unique take and twist on on those events. But uh, before we get into any of that, let's just get like the small stuff out of the way because the small stuff is not important. So let's get it out of the way. Yeah, the very first small thing listed here is uh, movable <laughs> stools. And we don't mean feces. We don't. We really don't. There's a captain's log in this update. That doesn't mean feces. Whereas no. movable stools, it doesn't mean feces. There's no feces. In this update, um, so, so don't even worry about it. But yeah, you can pick the stools up and move them around now. You can, <laughs> I like to I like to bring them on the ship and put them right next to the wheel. So when I'm driving, maybe you or Dustin or anyone, they could just pop a seat next to me and watch me drive. It's fine. Yeah, uh, you can zoom in and out on the maps. Yeah, nice. that's that's helpful. It's nice. Uh, they balanced a lot of stuff with the combat, the the respawn times, things to do with combat on the sloops, especially. Um, a lot of good stuff there. It's all good. And of course, during season seven, they released the, uh, Sea of Thieves Heart of Fire novel, the second Sea of Thieves novel. And if you want to hear more about that, uh, go ahead and check out conversation episode 1029. Uh, or you could, if you want to hear from an interview, uh, with the author of that novel, Chris Alcock, you could check out conversation episode 1031. And if you just like skeletons a lot, because uh, 
because they're in there. We do describe kind of the, the Sea of Thieves lore about skeletons and how it relates to the DKU. Check out Conversation episode 1037. That's right. We, we've talked a lot about Sea of Thieves in this uh, stretch of season seven here on the conversation. So is the season? No, it's season 10 of the conversation. No, I've said we talked about during season seven of oh, season. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. talked about we talked about it on the conversation, even if we weren't talking about it on the conversation. That's right. Yeah. Uh go for even more stuff was uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, during season seven of Sea of Thieves. They added into the Pirate Emporium where you can purchase your little pirate pets, your your little animal buddies. Uh, you can now buy foxes. So, in addition to the previous species of pets, which included dogs and cats, uh, and before that, monkeys and parrots, uh, you now can get foxes. Kind of like the DKU character Fox um, McCloud from, from space. Kind of like the uh, the sweet song, Fox on the Run, because this is, is what would be on, it on is, the run. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, kind of like a bullion bill. <laughs> From Banjo Tooie was a fox. Was he a fox? I, weasel? No, he wasn't a weasel. What do you think he is? I don't know. Some sort of marsupial. <laughs> Getting high pitched. I've had a beer or two. That's fine. Uh, the but there is one little topic I think we're going to touch a little bit on. We neither one of us uh, have a ton to say about it, but no. uh, we we did kind of talk a bit about this on our season six episode. And if you want to w- listen to that. It is the conversation episode 1024, I think. And uh, boy, I'm good at this stuff. <laughs> we, we touched a little bit on the ongoing mystery of who killed DeMarco, the son of the pirate lord, which was this kind of ARG, not ARG, but like a, a multimedia campaign that happened in the game, but also across social media involving puzzle solving. And uh, that has wrapped up. It wrapped up during season seven. Yeah. Neither one of us were particularly involved. No, no. So I, I will say this about about the mystery. This is for uh, people who have a lot more time on their hands than I do. And that's not me throwing shade. It's not me saying like, losers. Uh, I wish I had more time to devote to stuff like this. Uh, I think it would be fun if I could actually engage with it. But this, all, I, I feel like I'm getting the backwash of this uh, because I don't have time. So therefore, all of the sleuth work is, is already being done, you know, um, before I can even hop in the game and wrap my head around what's happening. So it was just kind of this detached thing. Uh, and it, it's cool for those who get into it. Uh, who the, who seek out this type of content? I've never been an uh, ARG kind of guy. It's just never really appealed to me. It's precisely because I always feel like there's going to be somebody who figures it out before me. So I just kind of uh, feel deflated. I like uh, old uh, like classic rock conspiracy theories, like uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, died and was replaced in 1966. That's that's the kind of what, what, what does it mean to be a walrus? We, let's get to the bottom of it. You know? like, yeah, eh. that, that, that's that's the kind of stuff I like because there's no time limit on that. It's just uh, it's just nonsense that you can do you know forever. Uh, but but this is is very uh, finite, and if you don't get to your computer 
by the time it's figured out, then you're SOL. But uh, I like I said, it. I do like, though, that it's there for those who like it. And I do like that they kept it in the game for those who want to at least experience the ending. If, for example, you hear about it, you know the solution, or maybe you, you have enough where you can piece together the conclusion yourself. Uh, it, it was cool to experience it with the crew when we did it on stream. Yeah, I, I think that they've already kind of, what they being the development team behind it at Sea of Thieves at at, uh, at Rare, uh, they kind of have acknowledged some of the lessons they've learned going forward. It, they they have not jumped right into doing another mystery, although they kind of have alluded that they will do another mystery sometime. Uh, but I think that you know takeaways are uh, it was maybe it was maybe a little too hard for people to keep up with what was going on. It was maybe a little too hard to jump into it if you weren't there from the beginning and you didn't know, like, where's the jumping on point? How do I get involved in this if I hear it going on? Those are things that maybe they can improve on. And then the one for me, the biggest thing for me would be, I would love if this sort of story, this is not a meaningless story. This is a very actually meaningful story to the lore of Sea of Thieves. A, a, A major character is dead. And a major villain has returned. Mm. Like these these are important story beats. For me, I would like that whatever this story that they've told about this murder mystery uh, should be something that maybe if maybe you can't keep up with it while it's going on, and maybe you can't be perennially online to solve the puzzles that are coming out, and 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 that's that's one thing. But it would be nice that even if you miss it, that all of it is preserved in a kind of logical sequence within the game that if you were to come back to it later, having missed it and just stumble upon it, you would emergently get engrossed in this story that you discovered in the game. And it, and in my opinion, that's not what they've done. You can't just stumble upon the details and then make it from point a to point Z at the end. You'll, you will hit the snags and just be like, well, I don't know what happens next because it's no longer in the game or it happened on Twitter or whatever. Right. Twitter no longer exists. It's not a, not a good time to base an entire game mode on uh, on the stability of Twitter. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a whole thing. But, yeah, I would love it if you could just because, because you could stumble upon DeMarco's bones. And then you can follow the footsteps and find the little note. And then the note could lead you to the box under the sea where you can pull out the magic lantern and all that is there. And then the the trail will go cold because all the clues you need are not in the game. They happened across multimedia things. And if all of that then actually did get put into the game in a logical sequence that even if you didn't pay attention to everything, you could find your way through the story and get to that ending. That is how it should work, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That would be great. It, you could get to the end and you could see well who really did kill DeMarco and, and yeah. what's going to happen with that story. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope they come back in the new year, maybe next year, do another mystery and maybe have uh, do it with improved lessons. Um, but yeah, yeah, like like you mentioned the magic lantern and uh, it doesn't work as a magic lantern anymore. It's, it's just a regular lantern. And like for a for time in the game, you could hold it up 
and get clues uh, using the magic lantern, either like on the environment or if you have it out while talking to certain characters, they it would open up new lines of dialogue, which was really cool, but it was only in there for a very limited time. And like you said, it would be cool to have that preserved uh, mystery from beginning to end rather than just have these little chunks still in the game that make no narrative sense without the context so you're right like i i think i would like that if it was just still in the game and you could experience it all from beginning to end and yeah maybe less reliant on social media maybe if it was all in the game and let people on social media figure it out together but yeah yeah the social media should be the platform you go to to discuss the clues you're discovering but it shouldn't be the place where you find the clues yeah, and and that might be the difference, or at least just my opinion. Your in maybe your opinion, uh, but yeah. So also, uh, we dove down behind behind the ocean to find the shipwreck, and our ship got hit, attacked by the kraken while we was yeah. down there. Yeah. So the entirety so... of season seven, we only <laughs> sank once. The the crew of the dreadfully evil only sank one time in season seven, and that was when we were exploring the shipwreck. And while we were down there, the Kraken attacked us. <laughs> we didn't know this was happening. We left the shipwreck and we were like, we were why under, is it so we dark? We were underneath the whole ocean. We couldn't do nothing about it. We were underneath yeah. the ocean. So we were swimming back up. We were like, why is it so dark? I can barely see anything. <laughs> and it was because the, the Kraken had uh, went inky from his stinky all over the place. Yeah, you know what they say, uh... Two, two in the pink and six in the ink. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines. So that's all the small stuff. Thank you for sticking around for the small stuff segment. Uh, yeah. I think we now are going to move on to the big stuff. Yeah, what, 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 uh, what brings me to uh, the yard? The milkshake, I guess. Uh... Okay. <laughs> Great re- <laughs> Great, great reference. We love it. Yeah. Uh, Captaincy. As you mentioned, it, it was announced in not E3 this, this past June and uh, took until August to launch. They delayed it uh, a time or two, I believe, to, to get it right. And it turns out they didn't quite get it right when <laughs> it, uh, it launched and there were some hiccups along the way. Uh, from what I recall, the game was incredibly buggy. For uh, a couple of weeks, actually, uh, actually a couple months. <laughs> it, the captain's uh, log, the captain's logbooks still don't work, but that's just it, another thing. It's been working it's, for me. It's been working for me, okay. Well, every time I pick one up out of the ocean, I can't see the name of their ship. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, th- there were all sorts of hiccups by adding captaincy. Uh, one of them was it wasn't saving the cosmetics. My wheel kept getting uh like delisted i would i would keep setting the royal sea squirrel wheel you know the the conquer wheel with the acorn on it and uh, then i would go back in the game and it would no longer be saved and i'm like damn it and and rare said stop stop saving stuff if it delists you're just wasting gold wait until we fix it and i was like and i i told you too i said it over and over i was yeah. like well just don't buy it again and wait till it gets fixed no i'm buying it yeah, I, I was stubborn. I was like, no, I've got to show them how badly I want it. I want this wheel <laughs> saved. There, there, were, there were like weird little things like pet names not displaying properly. So it would just say cat, dog, monkey, um, which, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into Pepito Kong. I, I want everybody to see it. 
And it was just a lot of stability issues, especially for those of us on last-gen hardware. And there, there was even this aborted update for Sea of Thieves. I think two aborted updates where they they, uh, they put out an update and they're like, whoops, there's something in there that wasn't supposed to be in there. And then uh, they canceled it. And it uh, completely screwed up my game. My game would not load after that. So I had to uninstall Sea of Thieves and reinstall it. And after that, the game actually worked much better than it has for a long time. As far as uh, like loading in everything much faster. The, the crispness of the graphics. And so I, I don't know. But uh, then there was another update that they aborted. And then for like a month, my Xbox kept trying to install the Sea of Thieves update that didn't actually exist. And I tried all sorts of things like uh, erasing the update, uh, like doing a hard reboot of my Xbox, and it was still there. And it finally went away last week, but it was it was really irritating because I couldn't it, launch... It went, away, it went away for now. Yeah. I, f- I couldn't launch any uh, anything on my Xbox One for the first 10 minutes I booted up the system because it was trying to install the Sea of Thieves update. So I just had to just... Whenever, like, we would stream or whenever I would just want to watch uh, Netflix or Disney Plus or something, I would have to start my console, walk away for 10 minutes, and then come back. And uh, when the Sea of Thieves update finally failed to install, then I could play stuff. So that that sucked rare. You, you had, and you had to go on your phone and map out a location that was exactly a five-minute walk away so yeah. that you could then get there and then turn around and come back and it would be 10 it's a hassle. It's a hassle. I called called my dominatrix and said, "All right, this is the time we have." <laughs> all right. Well, what am I going to do with the other eight minutes? Huh? <laughs> Whoa! Anyway. Whoa! All right. So, so captaincy. What is captaincy? We're talking about captaincy. The captaincy update. Captaincy of captaincy. adventure. Captaincy. And captaincy. Is... Yeah, you say it. I'll say it. It's a progression <laughs> system. Those are your words. It's it's a fee- it's a number of things. It's a it's a new progression <laughs> system. Uh, it, it's it's a access to exclusive perks, and it's also just a huge element of role play and immersion. Um, and and it's all of these things. It's really a big. I think that maybe not everyone. Maybe uh, I think a lot of people love it, but maybe not everyone like appreciates the depth of of how it changes the game to the extent that you and I do, because I think it's huge. But uh, yeah, the first first and foremost, it's a progression system of uh, tracking your progress. Once you have bought your own ship, now you're permanently tracking everything that ship does. Yeah, and then working towards essentially cosmetics that are going to reflect the adventures you've been on with that ship, the types of activities you've engaged in, uh, and kind of progressing through specific alignments. What kind of a player are you on that ship? Have you kind of focused on these activities or that acti- activities? So, uh, yeah, it's it's a tracking system for stats, uh, yeah, and then rewards that are related to that. And of course, you finally have your own ship, which is is the the big draw, I think, for me, for a lot of people of a similar mindset that we've wanted since. Like, we first played the game before launch, either in the technical alpha or at a trade show or, you know, at Rare. It was just this dream of, oh my god, we have these uh, blank ship crests right above the captain's cabin. When are we going to get to name our ships? And 
it always felt like a piece of the puzzle missing. And I was actually complaining about this shortly before they announced the captaincy update. I was like, I really feel like I've kind of maxed out or, or tapped out of the customization of Sea of Thieves because I got my pirate looking the way I like him to look, barring any uh, unforeseen additions. And I was, I was just like, you know, I, 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 I wish there was some something else in the game to reflect my own taste and style. And lo and behold, then they announced the captaincy update. But it, it is, I think, just this uh, itch that has been begging to be scratched since, well, since before the game came out, but especially since 2018 when the game actually launched. And... I am like a pig in shit, and that's kind of a misnomer because they're very clean animals, but I, you know, despite all the how, bugs... How, how, how true can that be? They can't even look up. <laughs> you just hate Professor Chops, alright? I really do. I, yeah. I really didn't, I didn't care for that character from, uh, <laughs> from that game. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a very buggy update. It, it was a lot of trial and error for the past four months, but overall, I have been happy because I finally got the Dreadfully Evil, which is the galleon that we have fantasized about as far as, like, the DK Vine ship for our DK Vine sessions in Sea of Thieves since the game launched. I mean, we called all of these rental ships the Dreadfully Evil back before we knew, you know, what actually right, having a, your own ship would look like. It's a natural thing to do in a, in a manner of role-playing that, well, we are a crew and we sail together all the time, so what's the name of our ship? And we give it one. Like, that's something I think that every player in the game essentially does, and it comes about naturally. And so for the game to facilitate that mechanically and make it hard-coded as a, a feature that you not only you can access, but you have to kind of build up to. Now, obviously... We were able to buy right into this as soon as it came out because we've been playing forever. But if you were a brand new player today, you would not start out with being the captain of a ship. You right. would have to work your way up and earn that. And the way that that is, is you just have to buy it with a not a small quantity of in-game money. And when I say buy it, it's not real-life money. It, this is not a micro transaction. This is just your in-game earnings. It's free. it's free. I mean, let me just say that it is free. <laughs> uh, but you have to play the game to earn your treasure, and then eventually spend some of that treasure to buy your own ship mm-hmm. or ships, yes. plural. Because every different size of ship, if you want to play on a two-player sloop, uh, all the way up to a four-player galleon, and and everything in between, which is the brigantine. Uh, uh, <laughs> That you can buy a separate ship, and I own three ships, and and then Heil owns his own ships, and we all, when we sail together as DK Vine, as as the DK Vine stream of thieves every Sunday, we sail on Heil's ship, uh, the Dreadfully Evil. Uh, It's really, in a way, all of our ship, but Heil is the captain of it, and so Heil had to buy it, and it cost some in-game value, in-game treasure earnings. How much did it cost? I forget. I think 500k. Okay. Which is sounds like a lot, but it's very reasonable because I think that at this point in the game I have millions 
I've, I've uh, got saved, over 7 million up. gold. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got 7 million, I probably got like 20 ish. So, <laughs> uh, like that's the point is if you've been playing a while, you, you just get this money and, and, and there's not enough to spend it all on in the grand scheme of things. So like you will have the money. Um, but if you are starting out fresh as a brand new player, you'll, you will have to work up to that. And then you get that moment where you buy your own ship and now you can name it. And then you unlock all of this stuff, which is the progression system, the tracking of your milestones, reaching milestones. Like how many Megalodons have you killed? How many total battles have you been in? How many total voyages have you gone on? All of these stats they're going to track and they are going to progress you through these different alignments. And the alignments basically tell you a certain play style. You played a certain way, so you earned a milestone in that alignment. And then when you look at your ship, like the Dreadful Evil, we can look at all the alignments, and it'll say, well, you've you've done 50 things in this alignment, and you've done only 12 things in that alignment, and you've done nothing in that alignment because whatever. And, and, and that is a, a way to see the history of your adventures on that ship, mm-hmm. and which you I know- think is huge. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that if I were a new player just jumping into Sea of Thieves, like more than being a pirate legend or, or any of that, this is like the goal that would be hanging over me. Like, oh, I need to get my own ship. This is what I need to be working for. Because it does, I think, completely change the way you sort of interact with Sea of Thieves because you have that sense of pride. It, it's It's just an essential component of any pirate literature or adventure the the romantic notion of your own ship and and all of the uh sentiment attached to that and sediment attached to that with barnacles and whatnot so it's just like i said it's been this missing piece of the puzzle that we have been pining for for over four years and to finally have that and to finally get to decorate the ship with this uh like so, sort of just what what cosmetics exemplify DK Vine and, and our own pirates our own individual pirates and the history of them and and what is a good color scheme and you know the dreadfully evil is of course from our uh our E3 mascot Helmost and it's it, I think I I forget I don't know if it was Shane who came up with that or Cameron. Um, it sounds right. That sounds right to me. Shane. Might yeah, have but, that, but it was just like yeah, that's of course what we have to call our ship. And uh, you know the joke is it's a very intimidating name. Well, we're just a bunch of uh, idiots who uh, who are very good natured and we're not really PvP aggressive players at least before season eight. And we're just, uh, we're just out for a good time, but we have a very like red and black virtual boy intimidating color scheme and we have skulls on our ship crest and, but, and, and it's, ooh, dreadfully evil. But then you're doing your little doggy dance and Cameron's throwing up and, you know, it, it, it's Dustin is, is playing, uh, <laughs> Dustin has a dog named Flapper. Yeah, yeah. It, it, running it's, around. Yeah, so that's kind of the joke. But, you know, I, I've got the, the bear and bird figurehead. I've got the the Morningstar hull, which, uh, you know, of course, ties into the recent Sea of Thieves novel. And 
it's just like, oh, we're continuing that uh, color scheme in honor of the Morning Star, and we've got the. So you gold- have the color scheme, but you also are trying to wrap a lot of little DKU references yeah. in it, uh, which is like the the Baron Bird figurehead is is Banjo and Kazooie on the figurehead, and yeah, you have a Jiggy in the capstan. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. Jiggy from Banjo. Right on our capstan. And, stuff, and we, so. we have the Golden Nile sails, which uh, are sort of a... Kremlin reference, le- yeah. le- Legally uh, laundered legally reference dis- to the Kremlin. Legally yes. distinct cr- crocodile pirate people. We can't call them Kremlings. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's all great. And then you can also decorate your ship uh, with trinkets... Uh, which we'll talk about here uh, in in just yeah I think to 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 kind of point out why why you're saying how impactful this is to the customization a big part of that is one the fact that you can now permanently save customization to your ship and because you have that choice that you'd be like I want to set this as my default like my ship will always look like this when I log in and you can you can still change it whatever you want but like you, when you get to set that baseline, all of a sudden it feels like you're setting a level of permanence and making a statement about like, yeah. well, this is what our ship's going to look. And in the past, we could we could always use all those same cosmetics. We could use the Morningstar hull and the Kremlin sails and the banjo figurehead, but they weren't like saved as our look. So every time we dressed up the ship, it was just making a choice every session. Uh, what do we want to do today? And it just felt very impermanent and very impersonal. But now when you can have the option to say, I want to save this and this will be my look, now it feels very personal. There's that level of that role-playing to it. It feels like home. It it feels like this, oh, this is where my pirate lives, actually. Uh, He's not just renting a ship from the shipwrights and then just sleeping in a tavern or something. Uh, my, my pirate actually, uh, is hanging his hat here. Now, that's not true, because he doesn't wear a hat, but, you know, uh, he hangs something. Uh, there's, you started to dip into the new customization options, which come on top of everything else, and that is the trinkets. But there's not just yeah. the trinkets, it's, so, uh, there's a few things. When right. you become a pirate captain and you own your own ship, you unlock the ability to decorate your whole captain's cabin. What what are the rugs going to look like? What is the chandelier going to look like? What's the captain's table and the captain's chair and the bed that we sleep in? Like I assume we all sleep in it all four of it. we pile all up all like top a, on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah, sleep sleeping in a big barn bed Paul McCartney style. <laughs> and uh but yeah, we you could decorate all of that and that is all tied to that progression system. So if you want to represent a certain look, that look has to be earned through a certain play style. Uh, if you want a volcanic uh, kind of ashen soot and, and ash and, and uh, embers look, then you probably would go and have to do something involving uh, voyaging in the volcano region. And then you would unlock those things. So that's how that kind of progression ties into the customization and the decoration. Um, but then you also have... My favorite thing, which is the trinkets. And the trinkets are just mementos that you can put on the shelves. Your ship has shelves everywhere. Like, there's little spots all over the ship to put a thing. And now you can just unlock hundreds 
of little bits and bobs to just put on the shelves. And they and a lot of them are tied to, again, like an accomplishment. It's tied to having done an activity and, and earned and unlocked that. But then that you can put it on the shelf and it, sh- it tells people we did that thing. Like we, yeah. we, we killed, we killed the shrouded ghost. So we have right. a little model, right. model sh- shrouded ghost on there. Th- thankfully they, uh, they did retroactively, uh, allow anybody who has defeated the shrouded ghost in game to buy that, even if it, you know, predates captaincy. So even though we didn't defeat the shrouded ghost on the dreadfully evil, uh, we all still get to purchase that, uh, you, Cameron, Dre, and myself. Uh, so that, that's nice. So I have that, yeah, we have the shrouded ghost up on the, on the shelf in the captain's cabin. Well, that should probably be noted to say that this progression system of milestones that are tracking these stats and reaching these milestones, there is pirate milestones, which are individual to the player. Mm-hmm. And then there are ship milestones, which are things that happened aboard that particular ship. Yeah. And so even if I play with Heil and Heil is the quote-unquote like the owner of the Dreadfully Evil, it's something that Heil bought with his in-game money and Heil named it and it's Heil's ship and he invites me to play with him and I join and now I'm on his ship. Um, while I'm playing with Heil, I'm still earning in my own individual progr- uh, progression. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Dreadfully Evil ship is earning stuff. There is stuff that there is. There are some things that are tied to what the ship has accomplished, but then there are uh, the majority of things are actually just tied to the individual players yeah. having accomplished those things. And and that's so to not discourage people from wanting to play with with their friends and not arguing yeah. about like, oh no, we need to use my ship. We need to use my ship. It, you know, I I know not everybody is happy about the way captaincy shook down because a lot of people who are like absolute completionists like our friend Briegel, uh I, I, I think Briegel might have had a problem with it uh, just because they're very, very uh, keyed in to wanting to uh, clear out all the stats, right? Uh, all, all of the commendations, all of the l- little meters in the game. and uh, But I, I don't think captaincy is supposed to be approached like that. It, it seems right. very different from the usual... Uh, reputation commendations and and everything else it 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 feels just more like this is a reflection of how you play it's not necessarily something to uh max out all the way across i guess you can play it like that if that's who you are but well in a way you can't And, and the reason is that to speak to that is that uh the stats the the milestones themselves do not have an upper limit yeah. There, they, 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 there is no maxing it out. There's no like reaching a hundred and now you're done. Yeah. Because like, for example, if there's a stat that says, how many skeleton ships have you sank? Mm-hmm. That is going to count up forever. It will never yeah. stop keeping track for you. So if I reached a hundred, that's not the end. It's going to yeah. keep counting if I get to 200 or 500 or a million and it will keep counting forever. Like it doesn't stop. And so that's the thing with the milestones. It's like there's not something you have you have to max out. It's, it's not something that you even can max out. Um, and then again, I think that the majority of like the rewards, if you're think if you think that the thing I'm meant to do is unlock all the rewards, maybe you think that's how it is. 
while most of the rewards are tied to individual players and not the ship. The only things that the ship can kind of unlock on its own are things like the title for your ship. And this kind of ties into a really cool uh, element of this. And I, I, I wrote this in the show notes. I really love this. There's just the um, there's something special to me about that feeling you get when you aim down the spyglass, your telescope, and you look at another ship on the horizon and they're a captain ship. Yeah. This is a new thing, which is just that if somebody looks at us and they see our ship on the seas and they look through their telescope, there's they're going to get a, a pop-up on their screen and it's going to say, that is the dreadfully evil, a legendary Voyager or whatever you fucking it, say. Yeah, no, uh, legendary Voyager, uh, but we have the uh, the intimidating skull, re- red and black skulls uh, on the uh, the crest that pops up or the whatever it's called. Um, when you look at it through a spyglass and then you got this like gunshot noise that startled, that startled <laughs> us whenever I we, I actually uh, hate that. Yeah, no, it's kind of terrible, but, uh, I, I've gotten used to it myself, but yeah, it, and it, there's that sense of pride then, like when people stare down a spyglass at us, they're going to see us. And then there's that also sense of fun to see what other people name their ships, which is always fun because you don't know what you're going to encounter on the ship. And it makes those encounters, which are always kind of tense. Oh, there's a ship on the horizon as that element of, oh, but they named their, uh, their sloop sloopy seconds. <laughs> chuckle, <laughs> chuckle. Uh, which, uh, yeah. Which I think is my favorite that I've encountered in during the uh, season seven. I haven't committed any of them to memory, but I every time I look down the spyglass and see another ship, it really doesn't matter what their name is. I'm always amused. I'm always intrigued. Yeah. Even if it's not, even if it's not necessarily like funny. Right. Just whatever they chose. And I'm like, oh, that's what they named it. And it just makes this such a this this personality to it. Exactly. All of a sudden, every crew has a personality. And if you manage to get aboard their ship, whether you go and be friendly together, and you maybe you're you're hanging out with another crew, and you're drinking grog and playing instruments, or or maybe you're in the middle of a battle, engaged in battle with one another. If you manage to get aboard their ship, you can see what little trinkets they put on the shelves. And you can see, you actually have the captain's logbook. Uh, yeah. When you sink a ship, if a captain's ship gets sunk, they drop a, a logbook in the, you know, in the water, it rises up where they sank, and it's a piece of loot that you can go sell. But the cool thing is that you can leaf through this book and it and they, they literally is just like stats and notes about like what they did on their ship and mm-hmm. like what what adventures they've been on and what's the name of their ship and who are the crew members and what are their pets. Yes, the pets the pets are there too, which I, I really appreciate. It's cause we're a crew that always has to have our pets out. Like it's not just for humans it's also our four animal companions so there's just eight people or eight eight beans on this ship and <laughs> just it's just nonsense but it's it's very much like no pepito kong is part of the crew gold member is part of the crew you know <laughs> yeah, we're... mother i have a monkey named mother because we are we are hooked on the mothers um but uh it's not even a joke i do have a monkey named mother no i'm, I'm weird, laughing because it's true little... yeah it's true, but uh, I I know that you know. I'm saying for the audience that they don't know, but I do have a monkey named Mother. It's a creepy little fucking thing. But uh, yeah, so all of this stuff, it's all tied together. I did mention that there were perks to being a captain outside of just this progression and new customization. There are some perks like 
Uh, there are you, you you can have buy supplies that are then put right into your barrels when you start a session right from mm-hmm. the shipwright. Uh, you can buy these captain's voyages, which are nice, which essentially is just like you can create a stockpile of trading company voyages like right on your ship so that you don't have to go to port and buy another voyage when you're done with your voyage. You can kind of buy them in bundles of five and you just have a bunch of them and you can pick and choose. Do I want to do an easy one or a hard one? Do I want to do a long one or a short one? And you have more control over the style of voyage you're going to go on. I think early in the season, we played with that a lot, yeah. uh, doing stuff and in, in becoming emissary and working up the emissary ledgers. Um, and then having those voyages, which are very useful for that. Um, but then the coolest perk is definitely the new, I, 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 I want to use the word faction, but they're not like a, a company or anything of their own. But mm-hmm. um, this new group of people that operate on the outposts called the Sovereigns. Yeah. And the Sovereigns are, there's a new dock on the outpost uh, that you can access with this big tent. And it's very regal and kind of refined. And the, the people in there are wearing powdered wigs. and But they're a little bit like, how, how do you describe them? You know, they're like, Yes, I'm wearing a powdered wig in a in a nice dress or whatever, but like I'm also kind of grungy. Like like <laughs> you like it's it's like, you know, putting makeup on a pig in a way, you know, it's just like this is clearly a pirate that is giving off an air of regalness, but they are a pirate that is dressed up nice. They're not a lord or whatever. <laughs> so uh anyway, so the sovereigns are there and they're they're these people that uh there's they're like uh, we will provide a service, but we only will provide that service to captains. Only yeah. captain ships will we will provide a service to. And the service is basically you can sell your treasure to them instead of selling your treasure to the trading companies, and then they deliver it to the trading company. So you don't have to walk to five different booths on the outpost and be like, oh, I've got treasure. I take that to the gold hoarders. I've got cargo. I take it to the merchants. I've got skulls from uh cursed skeletons i take those to the order of souls instead you can give everything to the sovereigns right on this one convenient dock and then it just goes where it's meant to go and that is just this convenience factor yeah it's like i said it's a nice like you said it's a nice perk uh for being a captain and i haven't even really thought about that because i've been you know a captain since season seven has started as of you and it's it's just been there but if you were just starting out and you, you know, had to deliver to all the different trading companies still, you would view the sovereigns over on the other side of the outpost with like envy and like someday I can just go to the sovereigns. This is why I need to work towards captaincy. This is why I need to save up my gold. So yeah, it, it's just a nice little uh, benefit for those who make it that far. Yeah. So there are a lot of little perks and then just the, the extra customization and then a lot of the the feelings. It's that it's that fuzzy feeling that you get with like everything about it that you yeah. and I love. Yeah. Um, now it's there, huge. There, there there is a a little bit of controversy, and I I want to address that really quick. Um, aside from the bugs, uh, that which were commonplace. And can I say? Can I say about the bugs? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even remember how buggy it was until you brought all this up, and you. Uh-huh. You've kind of hammered the point home, and you are right. Now that you brought it up, I do remember it. It, it was it was true. We've had we've had some bad bugs throughout the season, uh, but I do have to say, after you've listened to us describe all that this entails, saving cosmetics across sessions, uh, say it doesn't just save the cosmetics, saving 
it saves your ship damage. It saves, you know, so many things and, and all these little features and then the progression and tracking and all this stuff. I think that the people at home can appreciate how complicated this update was. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a reason it has been buggy to start with. And mm-hmm. and I, and also, it should be noted how by the end of the season, most of these bugs you're not running into anymore. Um, yeah. It has improved. But it was one of those things that just, like, the team had a massive undertaking to get it out there. And when it did get out there, yeah, there was bugs. But they have addressed them. I, I, yeah, I completely understand. Gibbon is in the chat right now, and she says that, uh, so she, she hasn't bought into captaincy for whatever reason, and was saying she was not getting the same bugs we were. So it, it seems to be tied to once you have your own ship, things go awry, or things went awry. Um, but they have been ironed out. Now, now that it's season eight, we have brand new bugs. But that's not really the it's not really the time or place to talk about those. Uh, they seem very minor, more performance issues than anything. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was I, a lot of people were just you know fussy. People get fussy with Sea of Thieves, and I don't really understand why. Uh, generally, I you know the way I approach it is, oh, they'll fix it. <laughs> you know, oh, that's that's that kind of sucks for now. They'll fix it. And oh, that that oh that thing and this brand new feature that's like massive yeah it, it, that's annoying but that won't be there in three weeks like right G- generally I view Sea of Thieves as oh I've already gotten my money's worth for it and then some so yeah I will allow a couple weeks of bugs uh, which never really completely hinders gameplay I mean it's never yeah. prevented us from playing the game except you know things like when community community day is just uh, teaming with people and we can't play the servers are just uh overloaded but you know as the, the bugs are fine but you know some people were upset with the limited options of uh what you could unlock from the start or how long it took to unlock it and uh, I, I i don't know i i didn't you know what really I think it was if i could rephrase your thought yeah i think that what people were really bothered by maybe more than anything else, was that this system came out that started tracking stats that they've been doing for years. Yeah. And a lot of people were complaining uh, and felt like they had to start over because the the stats started tracking now with the ship. They're like, what do you... I already did 54 of the damn. Why would I do it again? And whatever. Like... And I think that, uh, again, you maybe alluded to this earlier, a lot of it is those people who, as soon as an update is out, they race to complete every checkbox. Yeah. Instead of letting that just be an emergent gameplay that you will complete over the coming months and years. They're just like, no, I got to do 50 forts of the damned? Well, better get it done in a weekend. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, but... I, I don't understand that mindset is because this is a new thing you can work towards. Like this isn't reflective of necessarily what you have done. This is reflective of your new ship. Why isn't that exciting for you? Like now you have to build a legacy with this ship. It doesn't matter what you've done the previous four years in Sea of Thieves as your pirate. Now, like your ship wasn't a part of that. It, this should, this should be thrilling for you. If you like, uh, you know, building up numbers in the game uh, i i don't get it like just like you basically want everything beaten for you uh already because you already played the game 
so much. I, I don't know. For me, it's exciting. It's something new to work towards. It's something new to see evolve. And it's exciting to see what the dreadfully evil has achieved these last four months as far as stats and, and reputation. Like, like you said, uh, we are like a voyager above all else, just as far as like distance travel, places visited. And uh, surprisingly, we are, we are up there with the feared as far as like, uh, environmental combat and you know fighting skeletons yeah the feared is like yeah doing battle against pve threats in-game ai battles yeah so that's kind of what the feared is whether it be megalodons or skeleton forts uh but yeah so well this all comes back to unless you have more to say about that well no i was gonna say the other big controversy um, oh, sure. I'm, I'm not sure what you're even alluding to, so go ahead and say it. <laughs> so, there was a big debate bef- before Season 7 launched when people were thinking about what to name their ships. And, of course, we had our name ready to go for years, oh, the Dreadful no. Evil. But there was a question, and it was actually posited to Mike Chapman, among other people of the Sea of Thieves team. What do you do with the the before your ship name. So most ships are called the blank. Uh, in the DKU, we have the Gangplank Galleon, the the Salty Hippo, you know, uh, the Rusty Bucket. But you don't, you wouldn't put the on the crest. But what if it doesn't look right without the the on the crest? What is actually the preferred uh way to go about this and and it was asked to mike chapman and he kind of dodged the question if i recall like he didn't give a definitive answer and well, i mean he is he is running for office so you can't offend <laughs> anybody but, um. and we, we 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 discussed this with people and, and eventually what we uh like sussed out was there is actually no hard and fast rule when it comes to this there, is there a soft and slow one, though? <laughs> I don't know. I'm done in two minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, here, yeah, here's my thing. Uh, my ship, by the way, I, I, when I sail with Heil on Heil's ship, Heil is the captain of the Dreadfully Evil. Yeah. We are all part of that crew. It, it, it's a very communal thing. Like, it doesn't feel like it's only Heil's, but we're all contributing to it. But when I don't play with Heil and I don't play with DK Vine people, uh, I, I sail on my own ship, and that is... Uh, the Miscreant Mallard, uh, which is named after a pretty naughty duck. Mm. Uh, but the Miscreant Mallard, that's my ship. I had a very raging debate about this question, of whether to include the the. And the reason my debate was particularly important was that if I did include the the, it was hard to fit the whole name in the... Uh, the uh, character limit. The yeah. name limit. Because, and I ended up, I felt so strongly that I did want to include the the. Uh, this is controversial because I know that some people think it's an absolute clown move to include the the. <laughs> there, are, there are people out there, there are people in this country, nasty, nasty people, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not on our team, are they? they? They're out there, they're saying these things, they, they're talking. Uh, that... You know, some people think it's stupid to include the the, but I really wanted to include the the because it just feels wrong to say it out loud with your mouth without the the in it. 
Like, imagine if someone saw my ship and just caught it, thought it was called Miscreant Mallard. I would hate them for saying that. Like, no, it's the Miscreant Mallard. That's yeah. what you say. And so I wanted to include the the, but it didn't fit in the character limit. And so I decided I actually had to uh, remove one of the L's from the word Mallard. And I and I went into Google, and in Google, on Google.com, they said that Mallard with only one L was an old-timey way to spell it. Ah. So I, I justified it. I said... Either my pirate is dumb and can't spell, which it makes sense. It, it makes sense in the universe. Uh, he's not literate, or it just was an old timey way of spelling it, and that's where he gets the name from. So that's what it is. It's it's the miscreant mallard with only the one L. I don't love it. It felt like a compromise, but it's a compromise I had to make. Well, well yeah. What what we figured out was that the, the, it's not universal. Some and even in Sea of Thieves, it's not universal. Some. Uh, ships, ship crest in the game, like from shipwrecks or other places, include the the, some do not. And ultimately it came down to what looks better for your chosen name. And and we decided, well, the dreadfully evil, if it's just dreadfully evil on the ship crest, that looks like trash. But including the, the dreadfully evil, it makes it pop. It, it makes it poetic. And that is where we came down on it. I agreed in that instance as well. And I think especially because the word evil can be a noun, but it can also be an adjective. And so if you don't have the the, it doesn't make it clear that you are using it as a noun. Yeah. If you don't have the the and you just say, oh, that is dreadfully evil, it could be a description of it. Like it is an adjective. It is dreadfully evil that's an adjective but if you have the the it is the evil it is it is a noun yeah and, and I, that's very different feeling it feels I, different i haven't bought a brigantine or sloop yet but it would be a case-by-case basis it would i wouldn't universally hold to the the it would only be if it was uh necessary and i felt with dreadfully evil it was necessary, the dreadfully evil. And I agree yeah, with Miscreant all, Mallard as well. All of my ships are not, don't use the the. They okay. don't all use the the. Yeah. I actually have three ships. I'll say them now. I have the Miscreant Mallard. That's my galleon, um, which I sail on maybe 50% of the time that I'm not with DK Vine. It's mm. on a galleon. And then the other 50% of the time, it's on a sloop. It's pretty rarely on a brig. But I do have a brig that I've purchased, and the purchased brig is called the Ursa Liner, which is a pun on the free, on the word Ursa Minor, but it is a liner as in like a ship cruise I liner. got it. I got it. The Ursa Liner. That, and I don't know, something about that just felt right with a brigantine. I don't know why. It just felt right. Uh, but then I have my sloop, which I sail on quite a bit because sometimes I want to hop in solo. I, that's my thing is I'm usually either solo or I'm with all four people. Those are my two modes. Um... And the sloop I named Dan Seavey. It's not the Dan Seavey. It's Dan Seavey. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's where I... Let me, let me repeat the whole thing because I said it wrong. It's Seavey Dan. Seavey Dan. Seavey Dan. Seavey Dan is named after a pirate, a real-life pirate that was named Dan Seavey, but it's a pun on the band Steely. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> so, so I'm an idiot, which is true. But, but Dan Seavey was a pirate on Lake Michigan. Ah, 
in the Great Lakes region pirates. And uh, so I felt an attachment to that because I live there. Uh, so I thought, you know, Dan CV is a cool character. Why don't we name the ship the CV Dan? Because I also like the band Steely Dan. So it's fine. Uh, but you wouldn't call it the Steely Dan. That'd be stupid. That so, would be stupid. Uh, yeah. 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 So uh, basically that's it. Like the Beatles, you know, I always, I, I just brought up the Beatles earlier, but generally you include the when you, when you see the Beatles. Uh, it was only on Sergeant Pepper magical mystery tour and i believe abbey road where they didn't include the the in front of beatles so i believe you are right yeah at least about those three there i don't know if there's more but that i believe is right yeah so uh anyway that's the end of that controversy there is no right answer and we actually discussed this with some prominent people uh, who who would have word of God on this and ultimately came down. The people out there listening already made up their mind. They either think it's heresy to include the the, or yeah. they don't. And they're clowning on us. They're, they're laughing at us, Kyle. Terrible, nasty people. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you this question. This was something that I kind of, I thought was a prescient thought about this update because part of the reason this was an exciting update that we feel like we've been waiting for uh, is because they un- announced that they were going to do this. They announced they were going to do this all the way back in March of 2018. Four years ago. Um, mm. They set out their very first roadmap when the game was coming out about where the post-launch... The, where, where, what they were releasing after the game came out. They're like, well, what, what are the updates going to be? And they said... We're going to add a microtransaction shop with your pets. And we're going to add captaincy. And captaincy is going to be the ability to own your own ship and name your ship. Yeah. And things of that nature. And the game came out and there was a certain critical reception to the game. There was was a lot of promise. There was a, a, a huge dedicated... There was a dedicated nugget of a fandom. But there, in the wider sphere of critical reception, there was uh, a vocal... Uh, opinion that that Sea of Thieves launched in a fairly bare bones, unfinished state. It didn't have enough to do. No and Man's so Sea! No Man's Sea, which is so funny because No Man's Sky had a huge turnaround and it's beloved now. Um, and so has Sea of Thieves. So right. How funny. But yeah, these living games apparently eventually uh, can turn the tide of public opinion and, and see if thieves did that. But that was the thing. So they had to come out and say, actually, you know what? Our, our, our immediate priorities post launch were dumb. And they, they were, I think that if you came out with that bare bones, you know, game that was criticized. And then the very first thing you come out with is the microtransactions. You, you are not going to make a lot of people very impressed. And they ended up delaying the pirate emporium, for I think a year and a half, like the later half of 2019. Much to my uh, chagrin, I, because I wanted a monkey. All right, you were complaining forever to get a monkey butler, and then you eventually did. But Pito Kong uh, sucks as a butler. He doesn't do anything but puke everywhere or whatever he does. It but, also uh, looks like he's jacking off when he sits in the corner. Does look like it, doesn't he? So yeah. He's a dirty character, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, they eventually added the Pirate Emporium, and they finally, now, it's 2022, the late half of 2022, 
they did add captaincy. But that was something that they kind of teased all the way back at launch. And so the question is, you know, why was it not the right time and, and why we had to wait this long? Um, and, it, like, I feel strongly about how it should not have come out near near the launch. And I don't know when the right time is, but, like, it's a, it, it, it has a bigger impact now than if it had come out then. Yeah, if it was part of launch, then it would have been really exciting and cool, and it maybe would have gotten some more people invested from the start, but I think it would have been lost. I don't think it would have felt as impactful as it did, making us wait for it, withholding so long, edging even. Uh, I'm sorry. But I think that, yeah, the fact that we had to wait four and a half years or, or whatever into the game, finally having it made it feel all the sweeter. And, the you know, like, I, I can't really say how it would have felt had it come earlier, but I know how it feels now. And it's just, it's like I said, it's finally scratching an itch you have had for a very long time. It's so satisfying. So I would have liked if it was part of the game earlier, uh, but as, as I just pointed out, it, it's kind of cool to have all of this new stuff to work towards four and a half years into the game. It, it kind of gives it this uh, shot in the arm, this uh, breath of new life. Um, I, I, I can now keep working towards all the commendations I haven't unlocked yet, but also keep an eye on the dreadfully evil and, and and you can keep an eye on the miscreant mallard and this CV Dan and just uh, it, it's, it's cool. It, it's cool. There's a sense of pride there and uh, it, it makes the game feel fresh and new and exciting all over again. My, so my take on it is this, it, a big part of it, and maybe not the most evident part of it, because I think the most evident part of it is purely the role play of being able to put your name on it, give it a name, and call it your own. Like, that is the evident draw. But beneath the surface, the real, like, nuts and bolts, uh, not, not a Banjo-Kazooie game, but uh, the nuts and bolts of this update is the fact that we are now tracking your stats, and then... He, you are going to unlock ways to customize your ship that are going to reflect the style of play that you prefer. Mm-hmm. As uh, Under these eight different alignments, you're going to naturally focus one or two, and that's going to change the way that your ship looks and feels. And that is really the, the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. And I think that the reason that this couldn't have happened at launch or wouldn't have had that impact at launch is that at launch, there wasn't enough to do. That's the whole thing, right? Like, oh, there's no content. There's not enough content. Well, in terms of having eight different styles of play, and that's not including what has been added in Season 8, because Season 8 has revealed that the Captain C subsystem is like a foundation that can be expanded, and it has already been expanded uh, but with new styles of play. But that's the idea, is this... There wasn't enough styles of play at the start of the game. There wasn't enough things to track stats of. Like, there is not a way for me to have a million trinkets on the shelves to show everything I've done because when the game launched, there wasn't that many things to do. There wasn't a, there wasn't even a Megalodon for me to put up my Shrouded Ghost Megalodon. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that now was the right time because the game itself is full enough. It's rich and full at its core that this system that comes in and says, okay, well, how are you playing the game? Let's reflect your ship. Let's have your ship reflect the what you're doing and how you're playing. There, The game has enough fullness to it that every ship can be different. And I don't think that was necessarily the case when the game launched over four years ago. Um, and now it is. It's very rich and full. So, yeah, yeah. that's that's a big piece. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're, we're going to move on, but we do, as the conversation, need to discuss one trinket in particular from Season 7. And this trinket is the, the most um, overtly tying into the lore of the greater DKU than uh than some of the others uh there there are there are new trinkets in season eight actually that that tie into the dku as well but uh, this is quite a stupid actually trinket i wouldn't own it if it wasn't for this stupid description but uh it 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 exists therefore i own it and it has a place of prominence in the captain's cabin it's called the morning post and they are two parcels uh two two packages wrapped in, in brown paper and some twine. And uh, the description on it reads, the tag on these parcels say they're for a J. Roger, courtesy of C. Black Eye. Well, it's your post now. So you're basically stealing mail, uh, which is uh, felony. Federal offense. Yeah. Federal offense. You can't yeah. You can't steal mail. You just can't. Can't do it. Um, but we did because we're pirates. Right. We actually bought it. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, so w- there is actually built-in lore that would explain what this means, Jeff, already in Sea of Thieves. Well, yeah. What what what, is, what does this mean? Who who is J. Roger? And then even furthermore, who is C. Black Eye? Heil. Well, Jeff. So a lot of people are going to say, well, obviously this is referring to the Banjo Tui character, plural, uh, Jolly Roger and Captain Black Eye. And I say you're half right there because. When you say Jolly Roger, you're probably thinking of the frog who dances on the table like Coyote Ugly. And while he is the current proprietor of the Jolly Roger tavern uh, in in the time of Banjo-Tooie, did the Jolly Roger Inn, that is not the Jolly Roger, presumably it's not the Jolly Roger, in the time of Sea of Thieves. And we know that the Jolly Roger Tavern, or Inn, was established in the time of Sea of Thieves because it's mentioned in-game, in dialogue, that they are building it. And uh, so it's presumed that this is the founder, the original Jolly Roger. And and the title has been passed on throughout the ages, like Arnold from off of Happy Days. And uh, everything on DK Vine history comes back to Happy Days. <laughs> And, of course, uh, Captain Black Eye, this is probably the same Captain Black Eye as seen in Banjo-Tooie and as referenced throughout the rest of the DKU, because Captain Black Eye is seemingly immortal. Uh, he, he may have found the Fountain of Youth, which is name-dropped in Sea of Thieves as well, but 
Uh, yeah, Captain Black Eye has been referenced a couple of times in Sea of Thieves and Sea of Thieves lore. It's been mentioned in dialogue as owning one of the clothing shops. I forget which outpost it is, but he Golden actually, Sands. Golden it's Sands. Golden Sands. Okay. Actually, it all ties together. Yeah, and he was uh, mentioned in the Tales from the Sea of Thieves book. Uh, the the uh, I, I believe Flameheart Junior has an encounter with Black Eye in uh, in the beginning of that. That wouldn't be the same book that references a salty hippo, would it? Oh, it would, actually. Yes. Wowie. Wowie. Boys and girls, this is a DKU video game we got here. Listen up. Wowie's out. yes. all the connections. So, yeah, it's just kind of cool. It, it's just, I, somebody somebody decided to get a little frisky with the description there. It's like, I'm going to, fuck fuck it, I'm going to reference Banjo-Tooie. They can't stop me. I've, I've got to do descriptions for, like, 80 of these things. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I bought it. It was spoiled for me on Twitter, like, immediately. Somebody tagged me, and I was like, oh, that would have been cool to see, but oh well. Well, it, it, it's hard not to get spoiled, because it was trending. You go to the trending, and actually, <laughs> worldwide, global, it was just like, why is Captain Black Eye trending? I'm like, oh, let's click on that and find out. 40 million tweets? Wow, this is wild. Um, but yeah, yeah. Twitter is a shithole, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I I, I love that you, you summed it up well in terms of what our views of the of the canon are. Jolly Rogers Lagoon, Jolly Rogers Tavern, uh, exists at the time of Sea of Thieves, and then the name Jolly Roger gets passed down uh, to every person who owns the tavern and owns the bar, and eventually and it Captain becomes a Black frog. Guy eventually, <laughs> becomes a frog, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> it, it, we we had nothing against frogs. We're allies to frogs. Uh, but Captain Black Eye, because yeah. of some, you know, the tied in lore with the. Actually, you and I and others, uh, there's many people, brilliant, brilliant, fabulous people. Stop doing um, that! <laughs> sorry, I don't know. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous people uh, believe. People are saying it. Sorry. Stop it! Sorry. Stop it, Jeff. I'm sorry. Uh, Captain Black Eye. Um, when he mentions in Banjo Tooie that his glory was stolen by a barren bird, yeah, this this could be referring not to Banjo and Kazooie because they just met this guy. Obviously, in in the context of Banjo Tooie, it's a meta reference to the fact that the game Dream did not come out, and instead of the game Dream, the game Banjo Kazooie came out. Right, it evolved in development, but in the context of the universe. What does it mean? Because they don't know Captain Black Eye, so how did they steal his glory? It could be referring to a ship in the time of Sea of Thieves that is sailing with the bear and bird figurehead. And that Uh another pirate crew stole his glory. And now he drinks. And he's immortal (laughs) because he drank from the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's why I have actually chosen the Baron Bird figurehead for that chance encounter with Captain Black Eye, which we know Greg Mails uh, sails as Captain Black Eye, and that was what pushed it over the edge. And we could say DC of Thieves is officially DKU. Now, if they put Ca- Captain Black Eye in as a, an NPC, as a real uh, character in the game, we'll just kind of ignore that. But you know, for the time being, it works. It's enough to finally say, yeah, it's fuck a rolling it. it's DKU. It's, it's- the lore is, is is it's a it's a rolling lore, you know. It can adapt and evolve. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's all we really have to say about Captain C. We love it. We're happy it's here. It was one of those features that it just kind of exists in the background to color all of your adventures. It is itself 
not an adventure, right? It is yeah. not a new quest. It is not a new activity or or thing you can go do, but it is this new fabric of the game. It is a founda- it is a is a backbone to everything that you do. Um and it's now there. It's just continuing to affect our game. But there was a lot else that was going on in, in season seven. Yeah. So as, aside from the foundation of the season, the, the big captaincy update, there were the uh, time limited adventures that really propelled the narrative forward in a dramatic way this season. I think this was probably the most substantial season a substantial time period of sea of thieves as far as propelling the narrative forward since maybe like the 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 first drop of tall tales like the initial shores of gold campaign i don't i don't really know this this has been a a huge twisting and winding four months for Sea of Thieves because uh like going into season seven and coming out of season seven uh a lot is different as far as the status quo yeah absolutely so let's just go right down the line we started in August um and and again if you want to kind of get more of an idea of where the story is at and things you can go back and listen to our season six recap video uh recap podcast uh, which you could find is a conversation episode 1024. But continuing right on from that, one month after another, uh, one new story every month, the story in August was called The Hunter's Cry. And where we last left off is that we knew that Merrick, who had kind of come out of retirement to 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 become a hero and help us fight the Shrouded Ghost and rebuild Golden Sands outposts and stop the Reapers. He, he was sort uh, of Bell's sidekick. Yeah, he, he had a little little he had a moment in the sun and then uh, he got killed. He got killed. <laughs> right. He got murdered, murdered, even not just killed, but murdered. And um, we went on a little adventure to kind of find out who did that. And that was last season. Now, here we are. Uh, Merrick's soul is being held captive. He can't respawn. That's kind of part of the lore of Sea of Thieves is that when you die, there is a character that brings you back to the la- that brings your soul back. The fairy man ferries you to the land of living and you get to relive. That's how respawning works in Sea of Thieves. But Merrick's soul is being held captive by the Dark Brethren, who are an evil faction that are kind of opposed to Flameheart, but they're also still bad guys. Yeah. And they have Merrick held captive in the Sea of the Damned, and they've built up a kind of fortress in the Sea of the Damned that is a, a dark... Uh, twisted take on the glorious sea dogs tavern mm-hmm. because of the fact that amaranta is the masked assailant that has killed Merrick and has joined up with wanda the warsmith and joined the dark brethren which means that it's really more of a sister in at this point with <laughs> with duke with duke being the outlier uh and wanda and amaranta being the sisters uh but we had to go into the Sea of the Damned. That, that's what this adventure was. We got to go into the Sea of the Damned, the land of the dead, to try and stage a rescue mission for Merrick um, at at the Sea Dog Tavern. Yeah, and this was a cool uh, repurposing of the Sea Dog's Tavern. Um, kind, kind of like a, a funky reskin, right? Like, uh, 
your pink gold peach of, of the Sa- of, sausage Louise. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the sea dogs tavern, especially, I mean, it, it's always kind of been a little bit pointless in the adventure. I mean, it was there f- to serve as a plausible location for where arena took place. So you could explore the outside of it in adventure. And that's where it took place. Uh, the, the lobby uh, of arena would take place. And then you could say, Oh yeah, this is all interconnected. Even if we're like separate. Uh, but you know, since, since the sea dogs have ceased to be as a faction, the tavern still exists, but there's, you know, it's just, it's just kind of there. So it's kind of cool that, the whole obstacle course sort of aspect of it was finally implemented in a way um, that that had some dramatic stakes to it. Yeah, this obstacle course that they added in was such a silly feature that they put in purely for fun. I don't think it was there when the Sea Dogs first launched, and they just added it in a future update. They just said, by the way, there's a parkour course like a th- it's a 3D platformer within the first person view of Sea of Thieves and you you can just do this platforming parkour course but there is absolutely no gameplay like structure to it there's no there's no quest to doing it there's no jiggy to earn it just exists and then players can go and play it if they want and like set world records or whatever but like it, it's it just is there but this was the first time it was tied into the story as a thing to do and what they actually did with it was very cool because you go into the sea of the damned and you're in this uh dark version of that location surrounded by ghost ships and and this dreary land of the dead um and then they set up all these little lighthouses that you had to battle the phantoms and, and climb the lighthouse to light the light. And then you could aim the beacon of the lighthouse to light, uh, to light braziers and light these beacons. And the gimmick, I guess in the gameplay sense, the gimmick is that you can use the light to light the lanterns. And once the lanterns are lit, it reveals walkways in this ghost, ghostly phantom walkways that they're previously inaccessible. Yeah, and so the parkour course gradually gets revealed as these invisible ghostly paths for you to navigate. That was the whole thing. Yeah, uh, but this courted a little bit of controversy uh, as far as uh, the the way the adventure could unfold for you, uh, depending on circumstance, pure circumstance, uh, depending on who was actually. What other crews were there with you? Yeah, so the, the the crux of it is this sort of asymmetric cooperative thing where one person has to operate the lamp, the, the lighthouse light beacon, and one person then has to be navigating the course. In It is, in theory, doable solo as a single player. It is. But it like the structure of it very much feels like I will go up and aim the lamp and then you go and navigate the thing. And then we'll work together. That's a, a cooperative type of game thing. And so to facilitate that, you go into this land of the dead. You go into the Sea of the Damned is what they call it. And uh, other crews are going to join you. And yeah. in in execution, those other crews didn't necessarily want to help you out. It was just people using it as an opportunity to quickly matchmake into a confined space where they could get to kill people. Right. Which, you know, it, it, it's kind of uh, counter 
to what they actually set up. Now, they knew this was possible, obviously. You know, uh, they, they didn't, like, make it so you couldn't kill each other. So they, they knew this was going to happen, but the problem is people would camp it. Uh, people would just be like, oh, oh, you're, you want to do the adventure? Well, we want to kill you. <laughs> and uh, I think we had problems with it the first time around. We had to actually leave, right? We were like, well, it's not going to happen. We kind of we went in and I made it very clear at the start, like this is the type of experience that this is going to be. And here are the struggles we may run into. And if we start to run into them, we should just immediately give up and swap to a new server where we might not run into someone. Because if someone is trying to ruin your day, uh, they're not going to go away. Right. They're there. No. They are. They are there. So if they are there and they're not going to go away, you might as well just quit and try the game again. Start over, get a new server, get a new opportunity. We went we went into it knowing that and not and we were, you know, it, it didn't hurt our spirits. Um but we did have to f- hop out maybe once. I think just once. Maybe maybe twice. I think it was just once. I think it was just once because the the second time around we had a very pleasant experience. We had a lot of yeah, it was great. who wanted to do it with us. And, yeah, people uh, were actually cooperating. Everyone was yeah. was excited to do it, and it was great. I think sometimes we run into problems because we wait until Sunday to play. We play the game on Sundays always, and the updates come out on Thursdays. And in the history of the game, it has occasionally been the case where if they ask you to cooperate with people, the longer you wait to do it, the less likely you're going to find someone that wants to cooperate because... On Thursday, when it first comes out, everyone wants to do it. And then on Friday, people want to do it. And then maybe by Saturday, you have a bunch of people that are like, well, I've already done it, so maybe I'll just jump in and kill people. And then by (laughs) Sunday, that number increases. And then over the next week, it increases even more. So that's that you can run into problems. But they did, I want to say, I wanted to point out, uh, kudos, they did update this midway through this event and extended the event. I think, to last longer, uh, and basically went in and made some balancing changes to uh, reduce the odds that you have such a negative experience. They made it so you're only going to have two crews come together instead of, like, four or five. Mm-hmm. If if there were five crews in there and only one of them wants to kill everybody, they can ruin it. Yeah. Like, that's all, that's all it takes. Um, and so that was just a bad time. But we, we got through it relatively uh uh without hassle yeah it it only took uh one aborted attempt and then coming back in uh it was it was tense the second time around because you're like okay what what's what's the gimmick here what's the trick is is this crew going to turn on us and they never did and they're you know in close quarters combat with another crew while you're fighting npcs there's always the possibility you're accidentally going to swipe uh, your ally with the sword and you can damage them, hurt them. And then you're like, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Don't, don't attack me. Let's not start fighting. So there's always that little bit of tension in the air, but we got through it. We got to the end. We, we saw how it ended and, uh, it ended with, uh, you, you rescued Merrick and Merrick's like, well, actually, I guess I have to stay dead because I know too much because they, it, they could, uh, they they could kidnap me and get the secrets from my brain. 
Well, he's afraid for his family at that point. Ah. He says that he says they're never going to stop coming for me, and I have a family to worry about. So if I just stay dead, my family will be safe. Is kind of where he goes with it. Um, and so Merrick was the very first story NPC in Sea of Thieves. Merrick Merrick came into the game to introduce the very first update to Sea of Thieves. Uh, uh, of uh, uh, an event, the very first event in Sea of Thieves, which was the Hungering Deep, all the way back in May of 2018, Merrick got introduced to teach us the wisdom of how to summon a Megalodon and and have a go at it, have a fight with a Megalodon. And that was yeah. a very historic moment in the history of the game. We all remember it fondly. Now, it seems that Merrick's story has finally reached a end, and it's a bittersweet one. Um... And Merrick is going to stay a ghost and live on in the tavern of ghostly legends that is Athena's fortune. And that is a fitting end for his character. He's kind of reunited with the other instrument players that are in the pirate tavern. That They kind of imply that he knows those people and that he hasn't seen them in a long time. Maybe maybe they were his old crew. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a fitting end for the character. But it is bittersweet because he's such as a... Uh, monumental character in the timeline of the game in the for yeah. for for the players for us death is very elastic in sea of thieves it it doesn't really mean a whole lot when you die because there is that deep connection to the sea of the damned and the ability to come back when you know you're you're allowed to and in this case Merrick opted out but his ghost is still around you can still interact with him if you're a pirate legend with access or or you know a pirate legend if you haven't played uh, Sea of Thieves, it's 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 Donkey Kong sixty four. You know, uh, Wrinkly Kong is not still showing up to Thanksgiving dinner and and hanging out watching weekly episodes of The Masked Singer with Cranky, but but Wrinkly Kong is still around in a way. Yeah, and Merrick yeah. is too. Merrick is I, too. I I did uh, like. Was this the one where we got the portrait of Merrick for the yes. uh, the ship? Yeah, that was our reward. Our reward for doing that event was we got a trinket to decorate our ship, and it was just a painting to put on the wall of Merrick, which is very sweet and cool. These uh, these adventure rewards you get for completing them, I really want more ship trinkets as sort of mementos, like, oh, yeah, I, I was there for that adventure. Uh, this is so far the only one we've gotten out of an adventure, yeah. but uh, I, I have it hanging in my ship. Uh, you, you may have it hanging in one of your ships or some of your ships. Uh, don't, don't know, but... Uh, you know, eventually, it's in my captain's cabin. I'm going to move it down to the kitchen, since Merrick is so associated with cooking. Uh, once I get TT uh, for for my ship as a clock, I'm going to hang him in the captain's cabin. But uh, until then, I'll keep Merrick in there right over my bed. Wink. <laughs> That'll come in handy a couple minutes a day, but... Uh... <laughs> Then there was the next event, which, uh, so September, I believe, yeah. uh, we, once a month, these happen once a month, like the moon, uh, is called the Siren's Prize. Mm. And I think that the Merrick story was kind of the end of a, of a little mini story about the Dark Brethren being like, okay, well, we're going to go out there and we're going to cause a little something. We're going to, we're, we're going to attack Merrick because he was, He's getting too big for his britches. We're going to do our own little thing. But that was kind of a little side story, and it ended there. 
I, I, I feel like the Dark Brethren are sort of being earmarked as an antagonist that will keep popping up. But right now, it seems like the focus is more on Flameheart and Flameheart's forces. And this is the, the path. Yeah. The, the path that got us to uh, the, the sort of resurgence of Flameheart as a major antagonistic force. Yes, um, I think that they exist, the Dark Brethren exist to kind of be a, the B-plot that so they can break things up um, while Flameheart's forces regroup. But they did regroup because we get right back into the thick of it. In the Siren's Prize, Belle, the uh, sexy corpse or whatever she is. Yeah, she, 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 it is upsetting that there is a sexy corpse in Sea of Thieves. There's a, there's a sexy corpse in Sea of Thieves, and she might be the sexiest character. We don't know. But <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's confusing. We all feel confused. It's like, is she cold? I don't know. She's I hate cold. it. But yeah, I, hate, I, I, hate, I hate my own feelings. But Belle is here. Belle is working on behalf of the Pirate Lord and, and, and the forces of good uh, to essentially keep pace with whatever the Flameheart forces are up to and try to kind of do what she can for the good guys. And in this adventure, she says, uh, we're going to go and collect these ancient relics for her from the Siren Shrines. And that the Siren Shrines uh, have these ancient relics. And if we get them to her, they can do a ritual. And that's what we do. We, we, we had to go to three different Siren Shrines and revisit the ancient past there's the civilization of ancients that kind of uh created all the temples and ancient architecture around the sea of thieves and things and uh they now exist on as ghosts that are very rarely seen um but we go retrieve these relics from the siren shrines and if we got all of them they did a ritual and they were able to essentially release the soul of a great warrior that had been trapped. It's, it's a, a member of the ancient society that was very revered. I think kind of like a the Dwayne Johnson of the ancients. <laughs> yeah. And and if and if Dwayne Johnson's soul was trapped and someone came along and released it, we as Americans would owe them a debt of gratitude for doing that for us. So that's what happens. The ancients essentially in the end, um uh commit like commit to helping bell and the pirate lord in their ongoing war against flameheart right which which does continue to pay off uh, after the fact yeah but th- this was just uh, an excuse to revisit the siren shrines which they added uh, a while back as like sort of the big underwater mini forts um just just kind of a a Little, little mini fort on demand that allows you to go underwater and well I, there's forts well those are the treasuries right the, the, the treasuries are, like are the forts fort. yes and the and shrines the, are more like a bespoke dungeon like yes. a miniature 3d platforming level and each one with its own gimmick i swapped them in my mind just now because i much prefer the treasuries to the shrines because 
I am not a dungeon fan. I'm not a Zelda guy, really, at the end of the day. I and I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think of these as like a, a miniature 3D platformer level, you know? it's Okay, but, but but there's the whole ball, chain, and squiggle thing, right? Where you have yeah, to raise that, that in a certain order. <laughs> that's pretty Zelda. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. But every ta- every shrine is different. There are six of them in the game and they each have their own little gimmick of how are you going to navigate it i agree that the ball chain and squiggly puzzle is pretty zelda but uh not every one of them is like let's do a puzzle to raise the water level in the temple it's all it's all ocarina water temple uh but they aren't all that some of them are different some of them are more platforming and like well rotate the platform so you can then jump across and whatever um but this 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 adventure told us we're gonna have to revisit three of those and go down there, meet these ancient priests of the ancient uh, civilization, and collect their artifacts and, and bring them back. And um, I love this because I think that the ancient architecture in Sea of Thieves is all very cool, but it is at its most cool when it is combined with the Siren Shrines because it is now sunken, coral-infested ancient temples and it is very Kremlantis to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. very underwater Donkey Kong level is the feeling I get out of these. Oh, locations. yeah. It, it's, Especially it, a couple of them. It it fills that niche within Sea of Thieves, which I, I think was alluded to very early in the game. You know, you could swim in certain spots and find underwater ruins and you'd be like, what is this? What is this? And it took a long time to pay that off. But it, it's always cool to see. And you know, it's seldom that we have a explicit reason to go down in, into these areas and, and to have it in this new context. It's always fun when they repurpose existing architecture or places in the game for these adventures because it, it does kind of make them feel a little bit new for a limited time. Yeah, it's just that push you need because on an average day, nobody is just going to say, you know what, 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 what do you guys want to do today? I don't know. Let's go on a voyage. Uh, why don't we go explore the Shrine of Ancient Tears? Like, <laughs> right. nobody nobody says this, but if the game says there's a limited time event where you need to go to these shrines and do a thing, we're going to do it because the game prompted us to, and then we're going to have a ton of fun doing it because we we rarely get to experience that, and then we like it. It's fun. Uh, so that was cool. We got to see the Ancients more close up in a way, um... Than we usually do. Uh, there are these particular ancient priests that are each wearing a different themed animal mask and, and and style. Like there's the shark guy and the wild boar guy and the eagle guy and I think maybe the snake guy. And like they're just cool. It's just cool seeing the ancients because it's been this part of Sea of Thieves lore that has always been there but never shown yeah. fully until recently with adventures. Uh, so that's big. And there was a big bit of lore about those agents that was revealed during this adventure, uh, which was very cool. Oh, yeah. I already forgot this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really. I guess I can't call it a spoiler because it is it was a limited time event that's over now. Right. Um, so it's not it's not like I'm spoiling something for you. But, uh, yeah, the lore that we got to read through these ancient tablets, we could read the ancient tablets and get some of the backstory of the ancients. And essentially what that lore is that they revealed is this age old question that we've been asking forever, uh, which is where did the ancients go? We know that they came to the sea of thieves. They mastered naval 
navigation and uh, magic, the the occult. They mastered magicness uh, that that exists in the Sea of Thieves, and they amassed a ton of gold, and then they just disappeared, and that's all we know until now. Where did they go? The answer is they discovered that the the Sea of the Damned, which is where the spirits go when they die in the Sea of Thieves, is a realm... We think of it as a scary place, but the ancients don't think of it as a scary place. They just think of it as a realm you go in a sort of limbo. And while you're there, the things you see and experience are become physical manifestations of your own memories. And they essentially weaponized that they mastered the concept of death to create a land of paradise essentially like if they could remember what their own like temples and and and, and cities and things were like they could go to the sea of the damned manifest them from their memories and then go there and live forever and they just did they took everyone in their society on big ships they opened up portals and they went and they just left the real world and went to ghost world and live there forever now. And that is awesome. Yeah. And this is, this is sort of uh, tied into the new novel, Heart of Fire as well. This is a plot point yes. uh, in, in that as well. So yeah, it was, it was just kind of nice to see that interplay bet- between the two. And yeah, so my theory that they were, uh, they went to Everwild is wrong. So yeah, yeah, because Everwild, uh, it, it didn't come out, but um, nobody went to Everwild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the ancients, the ancients are around, and that's the that I think the I think the thing for me that makes it exciting is the fact that with this explanation of what where they are and what they've done, it means that they aren't gone. Mm-hmm. It's, they're not like a long dead civilization. In in a way, they are a long dead civilization, but they're like they're still around. They're they're just in the land of ghosts, yeah. and and so like their whole society is still thriving and just ongoing. It just isn't on our plane of reality, uh, and that is exciting because you can use them in any story you want to tell. They're still around, or um, eventually we can even visit them, visit their civilization. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. So that was kind of the gist of that. It was just. A pretty self-contained story. Like, we got a lot of information about the ancients, but it it didn't really relate strongly to the uh, the whole story of of the war that is building up to. But uh, the next story definitely did, which yeah. was uh, October, the Herald of the Flame. Herald of the Flame, right? Which uh, th- this was sort of a, an explicit sequel to the Heart of Fire Tall Tale. Which, uh, you know, there there was, uh, f- following the Shores of Gold campaign, those original nine tall tales, there were two tall tales that sort of uh, introduced Pendragon and Captain Flameheart to the game itself. And that was the Seabound Soul and Heart of Fire. And then there was really nothing after that. <laughs> um, there, there, there were no tall tales to really follow up on that. The next tall tales were actually A Pirate's Life, the, the five-part story that saw uh, Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean cross over with Sea of Thieves and uh, weaved in the Dark Brethren as well. But 
the uh, the the actual Heart of Fire stuff, uh, I mean, Flame Art became uh, sort of this emergence thing in the game, like a a fort or a ship battle cloud where the Flame Art was in the in the sky as a ghostly manifestation, and he would yell at you, and you could fight his ships and his armada, and then he went away, and um, took a while to f- to follow up on all of this but yeah this is kind of a sequel to a tall tale that's not a tall tale it's a t- it was a time limited adventure two weeks and done and so before we get into this i just have to ask you do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that the actual continuations to heart of fire aren't preserved in tall tale form for those who uh who are jumping into the game after the fact so they'll play sea bounce Heart of Fire, and then they'll be like, well, now what? And they'll never get to see what happened to Stitcher Jim because they weren't around for Herald of the Flame. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting subject. I think a big piece of it, of this topic that you have to consider is the time frame of development, budget, and scale that goes into these adventures uh, is almost certainly significantly less than a tall tale. And a tall tale also has a different design philosophy behind it because it's designed to be evergreen and permanent. And, uh, the adventures are not necessarily. So, uh, and so you, you have this thing that like this team is operating at breakneck speed to get this story going every month. And, uh, so far they have not failed uh, in like nine, nine straight adventures some of these adventures, it makes total sense that they would be temporary. Like, there is a ritual table in the middle of the sea, and if people come together, they can, like, you. if, if all the crews on the server come together, they can summon the Shrouded Ghost. That's not something that would work if it was permanent. You would never be able to get people together to do it. Or, for example, we're going to talk uh, about the, the Return of the Damned, uh, and then in the past there was the Lost Sands, which was pitting people in the community against each other to influence where the game will go. That would not work as an evergreen story to tell. It just won't. It's a moment in time that pits the whole server to get against each other in a, in a locked combat that by its definition can't be forever. It's, it's, it's setting up a temporary state for the game. And I think that that's when adventures do that, they excel is when they have made the state of the game temporary in a way that goes beyond just the story itself. Like for example, certain islands are shrouded in fog, a ghostly fog. That was what they did back in the shrouded islands. You wouldn't want that to be forever. That had, that was a special moment in time, but it would suck if it was forever. And so you have to balance it. And I think that with Herald of the Flame, it was probably the adventure so far out of all of them that most feels like it didn't need to be temporary. Yeah. It most it most feels that it was just a sequence of story beats. But I understand why they wouldn't want to call this a tall tale and set it up to be permanent because of, one, in order to facilitate this adventure... They had to shut off the volcanoes in the whole Devil's Roar. <laughs> right, which which defeats the purpose of the Devil's Roar. 
Now, there was a built-in explanation for why the volcanoes weren't going boom, boom. Uh, it was because Stitcher Jim was drawing all of the, the magma, all, all of the power of the Devil's Roar to, to a fulcrum point, to, to one centralized location uh, for its ritual. So, so they, you know, they covered their bases there. But yeah, if, if this was permanent or even just uh, accessible on a server, if somebody like activated the tall tale on that server and all the volcano, volcanoes stopped going boom, boom, then yeah... It becomes an exploit. It just becomes a way people who want to go on a voyage will go on the tall tail to shut off the volcanoes and then go and do regular voyages while the volcanoes aren't attacking them. It's it's an exploit at that point. But that's kind of the point is that these things from the ground up are not designed to be permanent and they don't have the budget or, or of uh, presentation that those permanent tall tails had um, in a end up boiling down to a pretty simple travel from point A to point B to watch a cutscene type of thing, which is fun when it's temporary, but if it was a permanent thing that I would expect out of them to flesh it out into more of an experience than it is. Uh, So it is tough. I think that my biggest thing is that I'm okay with it being totally temporary, but I think that the game needs to do a better job of creating some kind of experienceable chronicle for people to catch up that are behind if they want to jump in now because i think that you can jump in any month you can jump in right now and you can maybe hear whispers and rumors of what the story was before but you won't be that far behind you can jump in and, and enjoy it but there will always be those people that like well i jumped in late and i want to go back and experience that story and it doesn't feel like there is a good way to do so um other than fan-created content, which yeah. is great, but it shouldn't be the solution. I think that Sea of Thieves, every time they make an adventure, they should also basically make an episode of a cartoon. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so everyone who wants to catch up can be like, well, I, oh, I, I, I wasn't here for that adventure, but I can watch the episode of the cartoon that's 20 minutes long and it's on YouTube that just shows the story for me. Um, I understand that that's asking for a, an additional contribution to something that has its own limited scope and budget. I understand all of that, but yeah, it just feels like at the moment there's not really a way to preserve this stuff. That's that's where I'm at. My thing is, I don't think that the experience has to be preserved, but it would be nice if being able to catch up on the story had a real solution, and right now it doesn't. Right. That being said, I enjoyed Herald of the Flame very much. Uh, I enjoyed that it brought Stitcher Jim back and finally paid off that uh, that little setup from Heart of Fire, the uh, the Tall Tale, and uh, it, it it also again sort of tied into the recent novel where we saw the uh, the Ashen Curse and Stitcher Jim fully become. Um, more than he was. He was just this weaselly little uh, ne'er-do-well uh, dating back to, like, uh, Tales from the Sea of Thieves, I believe. And, uh, or, or was he in that or Athena's Fortune? It, I, I think it was Athena's Fortune, but it's, Athena's it's one Fortune. or the other. It's at, it's at least the, yeah. Athena's Fortune. He, he, he was in the expanded lore, and uh, he, he became part of the Bilge Rats, and he was, uh, you know... 
you you never you never knew what his allegiances were, but he was always you know in for it for himself. And then he he joined up with Flameheart, and then uh, Flameheart or or no, it was uh, the Masked Stranger Wanda, uh, and and he fell for her, and she sort of betrayed him, and he got the Ashen Curse, and this is why we need a cartoon. That was all. That was all. That was all after he had originally been allied to the Gold Hoarder himself. Oh, that's I forgot about and, that. And yeah. he betrayed Grace Morrow and the Forsaken Shores Alliance, and and cursed them all to become abandoned in the Devil's Roar. And uh, yeah, and then one day looked into a box of wondrous secrets and went crazy. You're right, Hal. We need a cartoon. We yeah. we need it. We, we don't we can't remember all this stuff. No. But um but yeah, so it, it was cool to pick up that storyline and keep it, it just see where it went. Stitcher Jim, you know, fled to a secret hideout and he was under the influence of a curse and he started to kind of uh maybe he was questioning Flameheart or maybe he was going to turn against Flameheart and you kind of go along the story and you find out that in the end, yeah, he just went and did what Flameheart wanted. <laughs> uh, he didn't betray or anything. But yeah, so the, it was this kind of prophecy it's, that it's, yeah, somebody he, was going to help resurrect Flameheart. You're always like, oh, this is going to be the moment where they finally turn against Flameheart. Flameheart's taking it too far. They're going to come out, denounce him. Poor showing in the midterms. They're going to turn on Flameheart. And then inevitably they always come running back to Flameheart. And then all of a sudden the Grand Maritime Union buys Twitter and we're like, what <laughs> is going on? Wait, Flameheart's having dinner with Kanye? What? What the hell? Uh, no, so <laughs> so we, we, get, we do get kind of the thing we want, which is Stitcher Jim turns into an Ashen Lord. That was yeah. kind of the tease. That was always where the story was supposed to go. And then we get to fight him. Yes, finally a Stitcher Jim boss fight. Yes, that's what we wanted. That's we're, we're simple folk. We don't ask for much, Heil and I. We ask for a stopwatch that can talk. He looks gross. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but besides that, we ask for a Stitcher Jim boss fight and we're happy. Yeah. So... You know, we, and we got it. We got it. We got the boss fight. Um, it was a good excuse to uh, this is re- repeating our nomenclature from from having an excuse to go to the Siren Shrines. Now this time we had an excuse to go to the Devil's Roar and to visit the fort in the Devil's Roar, which we never get to do. Molten Sands Fortress. Yeah, like our little bit of our white whale, not our literal white whale, not not our white megalodon, because we already killed that guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, every time we on stream see the Molten Sands Fortress is active, we're like, let's go do the fort. We start sailing there and it's so far across in the corner of the map that halfway we get there and it despawns. It's over. It's like the fort is sitting there like, well, I've been up for 20 minutes. Why didn't anybody come? And I'm like, it's because you're 30 minutes away, idiot. (laughs) So anyway, we got to go to the fort. We got to fight at the fort. We got to fight Stitcher Jim. We're happy. It's all good. But another cool thing about this event was the fact that for two straight weeks, the volcanoes were inactive. Yeah. We just took that as an opportunity to say, fuck it. Let's, you know, let's go to the Devil's Roar and do uh, do some voyages. Yeah, because I like the Devil's Roar. I really like the feel, the vibe of it. I like the islands. But we very rarely go down there because, one, you never spawn there. 
Two, it's a bit much. It's a bit much with all of the geysers and uh, every 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 five minutes, the island rumbles. Oh, is it going to explode? We need to get back to the ship. Oh, it's exploding. We need to sail away. Yeah. It's like, I call it a geyser. British people call it a geezer. We cannot meet in the middle on this. It's just a total divide. It's 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 rough. It's a bad time. It's a yeah. little bit of a bad time. But yes. this time, no volcanoes. Yeah. Not, so- not a one. We so. took advantage of it, yeah. So, and of course, uh, this sets up uh, the next adventure. This is like one of the most explicit to be continues we've seen in these adventures, where you you defeat uh, Ashen Lord Stitcher Jim, the the big swole version of Stitcher Jim, and uh, you like, oh, that, that's it, right? That's it. That's that's done, right? Like, oh, okay, he. We stopped the resurrection of Flameheart, the bodily resurrection of Flameheart, which he was attempting. Should be the end of the story, but uh, there's a prophecy that says, uh-uh, no, no, you don't. And and there's a mu- there's this mustache man who says, oh, go, go on, I'll clean up, it'll be fine, and you leave him alone for five seconds. Yeah. And he comes back, he comes back with this dumb sword, and he says, the bones of Flameheart are missing. And I'm like, dude, what do you do? <laughs> Everywhere we go, you are the problem. You know this, right? Like he, you release everything, you all the chaos. You are, you are trying, and you are failing each of the times. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit odd. They brought back this classic hero from Ultimate Play the Game, right? One of their earliest protagonists, rare, uh, and Sir Arthur Pendragon. And they have him be the Jar Jar Binks of Sea of Thieves. <laughs> yes, and we are gonna disband democracy or whatever he says. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's my guy. He's got a cool mustache and a sword. Let's. He's a very dapper daddy, Pendragon. But uh, he... all right, you, your words, not mine. That's fine. Uh, we're, I, I'm more hooked on the mothers, but. <laughs> Is what it is. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, basically, yada, 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 the prophecy says that Flameheart will be resurrected uh, during the Festival of the Damned. Uh, yes, the time of resurrection, as they call it, which happens to coincide with the Festival of the Damned, because the Festival of the Damned is Halloween in Sea of Thieves. Yes. It, and, and why is it there? It's there because it's the day of the year that the... The, the kind of the the division between the living and the dead is at its weakest. Right. And those I, dead I, those bad dead guys, those bad dead guys, they want to get across that division. And and of course it, it roughly co- you know coincides with our Halloween, Sam Hain, but it's it, it's a longer period of time in Sea of Thieves. Like it's not just one day. It, it's a it's a stretch from roughly mid to late October into mid November thereabouts uh they've not been entirely consistent with recognizing it during the same period from year to year but we generally when when they are ready to update the game in late october so we basically just play along and say oh it's from this time to right before thanksgiving yeah it's a little damned whatever but it, it, it it kind of gives us the benefit of getting to celebrate halloween a little bit longer, even if it's just in this virtual space. Because Jeff, you and I, we love Halloween. We've we been really do. Uh, 
you're more of a horror guy. I'm more of a monster mash kind of guy, but you like that stuff too. So you know, we I like get, it all. Yeah. It's all good stuff. It's it's uh, and 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 skeletons. And they don't it, have any skin. It's it's been it's been great for me because you know I like the vibe of summer. I like Sea of Thieves. I like tropical adventure. I like you know islands and mischief and uh you know fun in the sand and surf but i also really like halloween so it's kind of cool to you know wind me down from summer i don't have that end of summer blues because i'm like oh but halloween's coming up in sea of thieves that's really fun and it's it's one of my favorite time periods in sea of thieves the festival of the damned they didn't do as much with it this year probably because of the tie-in with the adventure uh but we still got some new uh some new stuff. They put the theremin music back in the tavern. Not for, for as and long as gourds. I would have liked. They also had the gourds. Don't the forget gourds. the gourds. The gourds and gourds. The, the cobwebs, yeah. Gourds and cobwebs on the outposts. We gotta yeah. have gourds. Yeah. I wish they would have kept it till mid-November, but whatever. Um, yeah, it should have run through the whole Return of the Damned. I don't know why it didn't. We, 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 we explained it that, you know, everybody, nobody was in a celebratory mood at that point because the stakes were too high. Uh, but, I would say, oh, wait, we're, oh, wait, we're going to war? Yeah. Oh, honey, take down the decorations. For right. The war. Yeah. So they did acknowledge Halloween, like our Halloween, vaguely with the tricksters and treaters events, which, uh, these aren't adventures. These are the ones that suck. Oh no, I, they don't suck, but they uh they're they less... don't, they're not that meaningful. It's just like a little push. It's a little little tiny bonus thing. It, it's like before adventures you would have these these time limited events and this was like one of the last ones before the adventures kicked in was the the terrible one from uh the the festival of plenty where you all eat 80 pounds of meat and uh get a get a something or other and uh, I was like this sucks. Kyle's a vegan boy. He doesn't yeah. eat meat, and his pirate doesn't eat meat. And so that was rough. This one, Heil, didn't re- require you to eat meat, so maybe quit your complaining so much. <laughs> this was fine. This this was basically fluff. I mean, it, it didn't take long to do it all. Um, I, I, did, I didn't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it was Halloween, man. I was busy. I had shit to do. I don't remember what it was. Something about being tricky. I think bury some treasures and put them on the quest board to be a treater. Yeah. Or bury gunpowders and blow people up to be a tricker. Something about and a hat, win- winning hats, earning hats. I, I don't win. Know. You could win a hat. I think you could win a hat. Yeah, you'd maybe get a McDonald's candy bucket. Oh, why don't they have candy buckets? I always like the little the the witch. I like the witch the most, but the, yeah. you can't go wrong with the pumpkin or the ghost. I think I like the ghost the best, but yeah, could you imagine if you had the little pails in the game, the buckets you use to bail the <laughs> ship, but there were little candy buckets like from McDonald's? I would love this. I want the, I put my McNuggets in there. I'm not a vegan. I eat McNuggets. <laughs> uh but yeah, they, they, you could go and get some exclusive little spooky fireworks. This is one of those little things that I just love that they're doing now. It's just like, we have a little special event, so we're going to put a limited time firework in there that you yeah. can fire. Fireworks are the unsung hero. I, I, I'm i loving the fireworks always, but they, they don't it's, come into play that often, it, but they're, it's a, they're it's very a good, nice. It's a good way to let another crew know you're not a dick. 
We just had this experience uh, playing for the first season eight session where we uh, ship was approaching us. We were like, oh, let's get out of here. And they approached and they set off a firework. And we we're like, wait a second. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they released actually on on, uh, on Spotify and, and music platforms the the Spooky Tavern remixes of all the shanties. Yeah. So you can listen to those on the online, uh, which I love. There were some new cosmetics, uh, various spooky things. Blackheart Banshee came out in October, and that yeah. was about you could dress up as a skeletal bride. That a Banshee, sad. yeah. Yeah, and there was all this lore behind it uh, that I, I always like when they get into this like deep in-universe lore, like, oh, there's a... Blackheart Manor, and uh, there's a there's a waiting bride there. Bleakheart Manor, but it's the Blackheart Banshee. I don't know why I don't know, both I don't know. ways, but but, it, but I love that name. Bleakheart Manor just sounds like grabbed by the ghoulies like location. You know what I mean? Like, alliteration. You can't go wrong with alliteration in a rare game. But yeah, and and you could dress up as as this skeletal bride, and it has a banshee scream as as a custom uh, emote and. It's fun. I I like like during the entirety of October, the Festival of the Damned, we uh, we dressed up in costumes, uh, from our the, our accumulated spooky costumes from our time on the Sea of Thieves. I like to be Pumpkin Man, and if I'm not being Pumpkin Man, then what else do I like to be? I like to be Vampire Man. Yeah, the 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 vampire one looks good on my pirate. It makes him look like Super Shredder. <laughs> yeah. From Ninja Turtle. Uh, yeah. Then there was another set, uh, the Graveyard Gladiator. I think didn't launch until November. Yeah, I didn't care about this one. But it was, it was. I think that it went completely under people's radar. But I actually think it's cool now. I think at the time I didn't notice it, and then I went back and kind of looked at everything, doing notes for this episode, and I was like, that stuff is cool. I, th- I think there's too much going on to really appreciate this, like, uh, Graveyard Gladiator. Yeah, like, it, it, it's not a bad design, uh, but it's just there's a lot happening. It's a ghostly gladiator from ancient time, like Roman times, mm. and your pirate ship just becomes your undead chariot, like, being pulled by skeleton horses or whatever. Like, it's cool. It's not uncool. I will say I don't think any of them are as cool as last year's Halloween, which had the pumpkin man and it had the wicked web spider stuff and it yeah. had the capstan that's covered in lit candles and the 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 banjo that has the pentagram on it. Like this is a lot of cool stuff last what, year. What one problem was that the 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 way the season structure broke down was we had all the summer cosmetics uh, for season seven, so there was no yes. Halloween cosmetics that were uh, in the seasonal progression. So it, it is what it is. But we did get a really cool costume, uh, a, a third one, which was the spinal costume, which launched near the end of season seven, uh, was available in the Emporium, I believe. Still is not time limited. It it is still available. And Spinal is uh just a little guy. He's a guy, and he happens to be from the video game Killer Instinct. Yes, which is made by Rare. Yeah, so it looks like they're adding some Rare Heritage costumes. And Spinal is the first one uh, around the time of Halloween. And uh, the the description says, and this was written by Lee Loveday. He confirmed it himself. 
the description says, pay tribute to a savage skeletal warrior from another place in time. Well, technically more than one time, which is a, a great reference to the fact that the Spinal and Killer Instinct 2 is actually an earlier Spinal from earlier in time. Because you go back and Spinal is destroyed during the events of Killer Instinct. He's, he's completely torn apart and no more. But then you go back in time and then there's there's Spinal in the past. And then Spinal is just part of the story again. So, uh, nice Of course, Killer Instinct 3 is confusing because I don't know where it takes place and I can't be paid enough to know this stuff. But... <laughs> Uh, but it does have spinal in it with given a new origin that is much more specifically pirate themed. Oh, which I yeah. think is great it, because uh, in the uh, original spinal, it was very rare. Uh, uh, Ray Harryhausen, uh, you know, ancient gladiator type spinal. Yeah. But in the newer one, it was like this guy is the victim of like a pirate curse. From the Mask of the Ancients. You you can go back and listen to the DKU Tribunal episode Cameron and I did about Killer Instinct 2013, which we came down on the side of, yes, it, it is DKU. But, yeah, it basically, it acts as a pre- prelude to Sea of Thieves. Like, so much of Spinal actually works with Sea of Thieves, including the Mask of the Ancients, which actually gets affixed to him. Or actually, he, he falls under its thrall and becomes a, a skeleton. Skelly. As a result, it gets, it gets cursed. So, uh, and his uh, his arena just looks straight out of Sea of Thieves, including ghost ships that look just like Flameheart's fleet and a Kraken, and it's just it's just perfect how it all syncs up. So, yeah, this is cool to see. Uh, of and, of and course, yeah. it's not the first time that Spinal has been referenced in Sea of Thieves lore because we did have a figurehead, yeah, in the past, and that figurehead's description did allude to the idea that Spinal was a real guy that was possibly around during yeah. Sea of Thieves time. Like, he, you could run into him in theory. Like, he exists right. in that same shared world. And, and now now you can dress up as a costume where you just look like Spinal. Right. If, 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 you're, if you're a big Killer Instinct fan, this is probably what you'd wear all the time in Sea of Thieves. I hope they had... I hope they add more ca- rare characters. Like, um... Fulgore or uh Jago. <laughs> all your favorites, yeah. All all the best rare characters. The the one that's a vampire girl. <laughs> I, I hope they I, add the shitting cows from Conquer. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Conquer. Yeah, they should add that. They should add those uh worms that are skeletons, even though worms <laughs> don't have bones. Um so, so there's one more adventure, and yeah. then, then we wrap it all up. We talk about one more adventure in Season 7. The biggest one, probably. Obviously. Oh, it's huge. The, the one of the most consequence, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the Return of the Damned. Right. Blank of the Damned, which actually ties in with all their Halloween naming conventions. Uh, it, it's always something of the Damned. It used to always start with an F. I'm mad. I'm mad that they they abandoned that because it was the festival of the damned. Then it was the fort of the damned. Then it was the fate of the damned. And then now what? Return of the damned. There's no F in that. What the F? Freak out of the damned. F- uh, fisticuffs of the. Damned. I don't know. Anyway, well, what was it? Well, here's what it was. <laughs> this was our f- 
our our next community decision point. They've done one of these before, and what that is is it's this moment in time where the adventure is pitting the entire community of Sea of Thieves across the world, the, the entire player base, against each other to choose sides. And the side that you choose, you have a way to impact your side's standing and over the whole global community after everyone has done everything, whichever side ends up coming out ahead, that's going to change the course of the game's history in the way that the story is going to go. That is the the point of these, and they've done it once before. It was the Lost Sands, uh, where they had to we had to decide as a community who was going to win. Uh, was Merrick going to be able to rebuild and save Golden Sands Outpost, or were the Reapers going to be able to successfully ruin it forever and destroy the outpost? Which made me nervous. Yeah, it's, and uh, that's of course the, that's the name of my website. Yeah. Y- and you had a rough go of it, uh, as, as we discussed on that episode where, where we went over. You had a rough go of it during that time. So uh, you weren't really able to emotionally invest. So it was just a traumatizing time for young Jeff Onan. But uh, it, it turns out we saved Golden Sands. Uh, we, we turned into new Golden Sands. And then and right away, uh, they decide to come the, right back The good at guys me. won there. The good guys won, and then they say, but it's not over, because now you have to, to choose between Pendragon and Flameheart. And I don't know if you know this, but Pendragon is married to my sister. So, like, I have that. And I can, you know, so I, I get no rest. I yeah. get no rest. Yeah. No, that's not true. He's not a real guy. But, um, so the question in this event was, is, Pen- is, is Flameheart going to be able to resurrect his physical form? Or... Are we going to be able to stop it? And if we fail, not only is Pendra is uh, is Flameheart going to regain his physical form, which is going to allow him to you know lead his army in the in the real world instead of just being a ghost man. Uh, not only if we fail, not only is that going to happen, but Pendragon has put his own soul on the line. And if we fail, Pendragon's soul and ghost will be gone. So this guy, the champion of the seas, the 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 man, the the men in black of Sea of Thieves, he goes around and beats up aliens or whatever they do, uh, but in this case, it's ghosts, the Ghostbusters of Sea of Thieves. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we, are we going to lose him? And 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 that was the question. That was where we were faced. Yeah, so so basically Pendragon will get exiled to the Sea of the Damned, and we have to say bye-bye to him, at least for the time being, being a regular NPC ally uh, to, to Bell and the Pirate Lord, to, to the forces of good, or at least uh, to the forces of uh, more good than, than Flameheart, which represents more of a nihilism uh, of... Uh, Sort sort of uh like I don't I don't even know I'm I'm like you're you're the is, philosophy is there, is, major Jeff the, the, so so the good so the quote unquote good guys of Sea of Thieves want everyone to be free to be adventurers and yes yeah. that means being a pirate and stealing and getting in fights but it's a kind of wholesome badness in which you are free to experience the thrill of adventure and what Flameheart wants is purely the brutality of mm. imposing your will onto someone who is weaker than you. 
Yeah. And so it's all about uh, strength and uh, overpowering the weak. The strength should, the strong should rule and the weak should be subservient. And that's what Flameheart is about. And whereas the Pirate Lord wants everyone to kind of have a sort of gentleman's agreement about like allowing one another to all thrive. Yeah. Uh, in a way. So yeah, that's, that's the divide, even though they're all pirates, which are right. by definition criminals. Yeah. But, but yeah, generally when we, when we play uh, and we role play our pirate ancestors, we are on the side of the pirate Lord. We are a bunch of silly, silly little gooses uh, sailing about having a little slap and tickle fights and and we're not about Flameheart's fiery fascism. So, of course, we would fight for Pendragon, by and large, during this event. Now, we, we, we played both sides to experience both and to unlock everything, but we did more for Pendragon and Bell. We, we in fact, devoted a whole stream to this, where it's capture the flag, essentially, or in this case, capture the fort, where you... Take advantage again. You you have another excuse to to replay something you might not have uh, picked up on in a while on Sea of Thieves. In this case, the so-called sea forts, the phantom forts that sprung up throughout the game it, back in was it season six? Is it, is yes, it was. Yeah. So uh, the, these again on demand sort of uh, you you would say bespoke forts uh that are above the no, waves i don't i would not say bespoke because all of these ones are identical and oh. it bothers me it bothers oh, I, me okay the the, the the siren shrines each one of them is its own unique little experience and that's why i would use the word bespoke but okay in these, this these, example yeah these are so mostly much. identical by region at least uh but oh uh, well they're visually unique but they are uh laid out ge- the same. geo yeah. geometrically identical but yes, if if underneath sort of the like ocean, a sausage Luigi. <laughs> if underneath the ocean you fight uh, coral skellies, ocean crawlers, and sirens, if on the skelly forts you fight skellies, here you fight phantoms, and it, it was a good excuse to go to each fort, and you if you capture it, you can uh, raise a flag. It, in service to Bell and Pendragon or to the Reapers, to Flameheart. And then that fort would be under control of that faction. And I'm doing a bad job explaining this, Jeff. Help me no, out. I think you're doing I think you're doing a great job. Uh, but I think that that was a really fun way to do it. Essentially, it turns into this. Uh, when you join a server in Sea of Thieves and you're out on the seas... You're going to have a maximum of like six total crews in a shared world. And on your instance of that shared world, you are engaged in a kind of tug of war of trying to control these control points. This capture the flag or capture the fort. And there are six of them. And uh, when you go and you take over the fort, uh, you you can do a number of things. You can get treasure from the vault and... And you can uh, maybe encounter a soul flame captain, which are randomly spawning throughout this event that uh, yielded a certain kind of bonus to you. Uh, But for the most part is you're going to go to the fort, you're going to clear it out, get in the vault, and you're going to find one of the dark relics. 
which are items in the Sea of Thieves lore that have incredible magical properties. Um, and in this case, it was the bewitching dolls, which are uh, like little voodoo doll type characters. Did we decide that was Dream of Genie and not bewitched? Oh, <laughs> I think, I think that. I think yeah, we did. I think yeah. this has been our ongoing conversation for all of this <laughs> event. I was like, we're singing the song and don't, we're not quite sure if it's relevant. It's but, always I Dream uh, of Genie because that's a superior song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, but, uh, so you get the dolls, and the uh-huh. point is, you, you take those dolls back to the faction that you represent. So either you're helping out, you're going to Bell, and Bell has set up a ritual table on Shipwreck Bay where, where Pendragon hangs out. Uh, or you go to the Reaper's hideout, and you take these dolls to the Servant of the Flame, which is Flameheart's adopted son, Flameheart right. Jr. And he's, he's, he's down on the beach this time. Yeah, he's, oh, he's come out of his pizza hut. And he's standing in the parking lot, and you get to talk to him out there. <laughs> and and he's got his father's corpse on display. <laughs> yeah, hey, everybody, come on, get a look. It's like those Santas from Salvation Army or whatever, but <laughs> more corpsey. Uh, so, yeah, that was the thing. You get to take the dolls and take it to the faction that you want after you have captured a fort and raised your flag for your faction. But the twist is that the more of the forts that your side controls, the more that that doll is worth to your faction. It's like if if the whole thing is just a game of points, if you simplify it to points, then if I sell you a doll for my faction, it's worth one point towards the side that I represent. But if I control all six forts at the same time, and they all have Bell's flag flying, then all of a sudden it's worth six points. Six. Six. Yeah. Uh, but there's also the twist I alluded to, which is that you can find the Soul Flame Captains, and if you defeat them, you could take their soul and instill the essence of it uh, into the Bewitching Doll, which is f- wrong, it seems. <laughs> but uh, but you put it in there, and then it becomes worth even more. I don't know if it's double, or if it's just more. They, they never specify, like, the point system. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't break it down for you so that you can, like, math it out. They don't want you to math it out. They want you to play and have fun. But, but the re- uh, the really cool thing is, okay, if you are fighting for Bell and Pendragon, and you raise a flag, you conquer a fort in their name, then if another crew comes... The ghosts that are going to be on that phantom fort are going to be the ancients. Yeah. So the so once you've con- conquered a fort, normally the forts are uh, manned by the phantoms of the Spanish fleet. Mm-hmm. These uh, like conquistador Spanish Empire era uh, pirates that are essentially conscripted to help Flameheart um, or just to defend his forts. In, you know, in general, and uh, but if 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 a team that represents Bell conquers the fort, then the fort will then be defended by Phantom Ancients. And if a team that represents Flameheart and the Reaper's Bones and the Servants of the Flame, if they conquer a fort, then the Phantoms will be uh, Reaper Phantoms, right? With their masks which is which is really cool and i think they're harder than uh they're they're a bit more challenging so if you just take over a neutral fort you have an easier time than if you try to flip a fort 
from a from a, a that's already been conquered. Right, and then on top of that is every fort is guaranteed to have a bewitching doll in the vault, but you most of the time. If you explore the fort, you can find a second bewitching doll in a number of locations. It just it might be spawning kind of with the RNG. Yeah. So we went around and we got every fort on a server, I think, in one session. We did. And got something like 16 bewitching dolls. It was a ridiculous number. Our, my, my bed was just full of dolls. And <laughs> granted, of dolls. That's, that's most days, but I usually max out at 14. And we named each one of them Mother. <laughs> mother 1, Mother 2, Mother 3. We had to give each one a kiss before bed. It was a mm-hmm. routine. But, uh, yeah, no, it was great. We took all the dolls at the end. We kind of got a little bit risky there because as we went along ca- conquering forts, we realized that kind of nobody was taking them back from us. So yeah. we got a little cocky with it. But I think that we maybe did run into some crews here and there. Actually, the first session we had, we went to our very first fort and conquered it, or we're in the middle of conquering it, and and within a very short time frame, all of a sudden, four different ships on the server were all there fighting. Yeah. We sank We sank a brigantine, we sank a sloop, another sloop, like, joined our alliance and, like, fled or something. Uh, it was wild. It just it all was. happened so fast. And nobody flipped the fort. So we, we thought, yeah, they're, they're coming to come in a fight but they just wanted the fight they didn't actually want to engage with the mechanic of the adventure or or maybe they were going to and then they sunk and they just said well nuts to this but this this was so much fun jeff i think this adventure uh for you know for as invested as you might get if you're really a fan of pendragon uh Gibbon, uh, aforementioned, she she really likes the character of Pendragon. She was like, I don't want Pendragon to go away, right? And and we were fighting for Pendragon, but just just the mechanics of this, the whole fort capturing thing. Oh my god, I loved it. I th- this this was just uh, right up my alley for some reason. I've always liked like capture the flag and that kind of stuff. So to have a little bit of that in this. To recontextualize the forts, the sea forts, the way they did, uh, yeah, Mwah. and it, and it all took place during the festival of the damned, and so we yeah. it was our Halloween. We were going and f- beating up ghosts. Uh, yeah. We we were the Ghostbusters and busting them ghost wise, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I like I said. I, I've said it before with the siren shrines, and then I said it with the devil's roar, and it was just this excuse to engage in that activity that we haven't done in a while, which in this case was sea forts, and that is kind of one of the things that adventures can provide for you. And then I I will agree with you about the capture the flag thing. I loved how mechanical this one was versus being about like story focused. Like yeah, I like I like the story ones. I like sailing from point A to point B to watch cutscenes. I'm not complaining about those at all because I love the lore. But I I really like the adventures that have more of a gameplay idea on them. Like, what are we doing today? Well, it's it's essentially a, a server wide capture the point, capture the beacons like mode. That's awesome. Like that, I like more, and and that you have like a two week window to get in there and contribute to your side and then like s- then see what the outcome is. I don't know. I, I felt like 
this was more tangible. I felt like I contributed more to this than even the Lost Sands event. I felt like just just sailing around and seeing all of the green beacons going from sea fort to sea fort, you could see them across the entire ocean. And it just felt like you were accomplishing something. I like I felt probably like anybody who loaded into that server and saw all the green beacons, they were like, wow, yeah, somebody's fighting for Pendragon here. I don't know. Uh, e- even if we didn't accomplish much in the grand scheme of contributing to the uh, the community-driven decision point, it still felt like we did our part. Like, oh yeah, like, I voted, my candidate lost, but damn it, I'm glad I, I turned out. Right? So... And so, yeah, yeah, uh, Flameheart did win. They had had an event where they revealed the kind of uh, outcome, and uh, Flameheart won, and now we know that Flameheart will be resurrected and uh, in a physical form and be physically present in the Sea of Thieves now. Uh, And then whatever the consequences of that may be are yet to play out. Uh, In a similar vein, I think it's worth like touching on we don't have to really talk much about it because i think that we'll talk more when this actually comes to the game in maybe season nine or ten uh but they kind of showed us a little bit about what are the consequences of the last one that we did the lost sands yeah which was we won in defense of golden sands outpost we defended it and it's it got saved and now the long-term consequences, which we started to see get built up in Season 7, is that that entire outpost is going to get built up by the pirates in the world and become not just an outpost in this kind of wild west that the Sea of Thieves is, but it's going to become the first official port town with yeah. a built-up fort-like structure, like a stone town with bridges and buildings and shops and things and it's going to be the first like permanent like real permanent structure in the sea of thieves and not just like makeshift pirate village right right which is which is cool to see like and and it makes me happy that we saved golden sands because it's providing something totally unique it's not just the same old same old status quo it's oh yeah, this is this is something completely fresh. It's a recontextualization of something that's been in the game. I've been using that word a lot, but it, it's apropos for everything that's happening within Sea of Thieves. Old is constantly being churned into something new in this game. And uh, wh- whether it's through the uh, temporary situations that the adventures provide or the permanence of these big decision points and the ramifications thereof, it's great to see. It, it, ma- it makes the whole thing feel like the living game that it is but it's a new experience with a rare title for sure and yeah like i i wanted pendragon well okay i'm I'm of two minds because of course my pirate our pirates we are fighting for bell and pendragon of course that's the side we wanted to win and, and i still wanted you know pendragon to stick around but i have to admit with where season eight has taken us and we won't get into the details here but it feels like the natural story beat to have Flameheart resurrect, to have Flameheart win, the Reapers win, because it sets the stage for this all-out warfare that we now find ourselves in. And of course, this was always going to be the plan for Season 8, this this new, 
new focus, this new recontextualization of PvP. But I, I, you know, I have to wonder how they were going to present it if Pendragon won, if Flameheart wasn't going to resurrect yeah. at this point in time. Of course, it was always in the cards, but even though this feels like the more natural way the story would go, they're, of course, going to have to present it in a different light if Pendragon won, and that's interesting to think about. But I'm kind of happy with where the story has taken us, because it does feel like, oh, the forces of the Pirate Lord have suffered a major setback, and now we're all being enlisted, as you put it. We're, we're all being sent to war. We all have to do our part to in, in this newfound battle against Flameheart and the Servants yeah. of the Flame. Yeah, and I think, well, two things I'll say is, one, uh, we, we know, we now can see how the decision that we made in that moment in time that was balancing on a knife's edge... Uh, we know it's a legitimate, like, impactful thing because the decision we made to save Golden Sands, it took, like, five months for us to even start seeing the teases <laughs> yeah. of of what the payoff is going to be, you know? And uh, if, if the other side had won, that is enough time for the payoff to be something wildly different. Like, they're not going to come in and actually do all the development effort to to build two different things and then say, which do you want? And then we pick one and they throw the rest of the work out. Like, they're not going to do that. It's it's going to be something that is going to take months to see them create. And so they obviously planned this story beat to be a moment in time where the after effects of it are going to be months down the line and we're going to see kind of the payoff later at least the major payoffs and how it's going to shape the story to come uh, but that's exciting the other thing i want to say is how in terms of if you're maybe a neutral player if if you don't see yourself as particularly like caring about uh representing the pirate lord's philosophy versus the people who you know vehemently represent the Reaper's philosophy, the, the the average player might not actually care and just play the game and 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 sit in the middle. And I was thinking about how the two different times we've had to make a choice, and they felt very different because when you had to make a choice about Golden Sands, it felt like we were making a choice to affect the world of the game, and everyone, for the most part, kind of said we don't want to lose one of the outposts yeah. because, because just from a practicality standpoint, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, then on the flip side, this event said, well, you're not affecting the world, like the evolution of the physicality of it. You're affecting where the story is going to go. And I think in that moment, people are much more willing to nest to potentially side with the bad guys as a neutral player because it might, in that moment in time, be the better story to tell. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of, I think, where it went. I'm not, like, dev I'm not devastated. Uh, because I also, as much as it sucks to see the bad guys win, it does set up the story to, to be exciting going forward. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, it, it sucks if you're a Pendragon fan, for sure. Like, I can't imagine if... You know, I, I bought uh, Mario Kart 64 back in the day just because Donkey Kong was in it. And then, you know, to have his uh, 
throat slit on a calamari desert. Like, oh my god, they just killed Donkey Kong. The whole reason I bought the game. And now I can't racist him on the other tracks. This sucks. Uh, so if, if you're like a, a big Pendragon fan, and, you know, Sea of Thieves is kind of like the fifth Pendragon game in, in a way... Uh, yeah, that sucks. I don't think this is the last time you'll see him. I think, uh, they set it up where, you know, he'll probably come back down the line. Uh, especially as we keep playing with the Sea of the Damned as a location. I wouldn't worry about it. He's just going to be gone for a while. He's going to go into hibernation. At least you got Pendragon. I'm waiting on TT. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the story is exciting. The, the, where, where it's going. I think it was a brilliant lead-in to season eight like it just feels so seamless and it feels like for the first time in a long time the story of sea of thieves feels like it's cracking like oh my god it's well the height the heart of fire novel timed with it perfectly too the novel did yeah uh it's all working together because we saw we saw what the original reign of flameheart felt like and, and the and now we're it's like oh no fascism is back Oh no! Oh no! Evil is is resurgent in this world, and now we are. You know, we we might like being silly and doing our little doggy dances and playing our corn on the cob concertinas, but but now it's time to get serious a bit. We have to go to war, and that's what season eight is. But season seven was a brilliant setup for it, and uh, like I, I think narratively, I'm more invested now than I have been since the first year of the game. Like. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. And it feels like things are changing so rapidly that I, I just want to savor it. And they're, they're just seeding all these little things. I mean, that's been a constant thing in Sea of Thieves, but it never felt like it was doing it at the pace it is now. And that's to the benefit of having these adventures, nine adventures deep. It really does feel like uh, the runaway snowball at this point. Yeah. No, it really did. It felt like uh, finally after all the adventures, and, and, and I've liked them all in different ways. Um, but this one, it really felt like the mother of all adventures so far. You know, we, we did lose our dapper daddy, and that is a shame. But look on the bright side, it means the mourning mother needs comforting. <laughs> we are hooked on the mothers. And Flameheart is made of bones, and milk gives you big bones, and moms have milk, so uh, where, am I, where am I going with this? This has been a File 2 production. Hey, Rico.